Welcome, everybody, to podcast number 112. Um, I apologize to Adam right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have time to update the commercial to replace uh, Dexter with Adam this week. Uh, slacking. There was a little bit going on here in Alberta. I like being I, able to. I like being able to look in the back room, and I can see everybody's facial emotions. As you, as soon as you saw it wasn't on there, I just curious. Ah, oh, I should have just. You know, just have a, he's having a temper tantrum over there, knowing that he's going to fix that. It's all good. Oh, I, I missed the intro. Well, I missed myself in the intro the last time. I couldn't really tell. I actually thought it was Tim. So thank, thank God, a little, little bit slimmer, a little bit more hair. So I don't know. Next time. Yeah. Next time. Next time. <laughs> you know, each guy has to be interchangeable. So you have to take Dex out, put Adam yeah. in. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Dex uh, isn't here? Really missed the ball? Off night? Off night for Dex. Yeah, he's, weird. he's been a part of every single one. Um, so he kind of gave the, maybe I don't need to be on one of these. And it's like, All right, well, Adam's always willing and waiting. So it <laughs> <Yeah>. worked out great. <laughs> no, um, Dexter had prior commitment. So it works out good that uh, we could replace him easily enough for the day. Um, so let's uh, let's start with the good old Alberta news. If people don't know, here in Alberta, we had a big provincial, I guess, release today. Chandro and Kenny were on our uh, health minister and our premier, and they announced that Alberta is going to uh, vaccine passport. So for all those businesses, they can opt in and. Um, still operate as usual, just with the mask mandate going on. Yeah, there's a little uh, bit of panic there for a minute, right? Once they explaining some of the new rules and the regulations, and it was like, uh oh, uh oh, we can't have events. But seems to be that you know mandatory vaccination at businesses have the opportunity to say that yes, if they want to be at full capacity with everybody in there then they have to be a mandatory vaccination right so they have to check on it yeah it was uh, and tim can uh elaborate a little bit more on this but we're i was sitting here watching the whole news conference or whatever and i felt the first 20 minutes made me extremely mad because everything was like third capacity social distancing um cohorts and all this stuff and then I had texted all the guys saying like, oh man, this is going to ruin the WCBT. This is going to ruin the team pro league events we had coming up. Um, and obviously bowling leagues would have to be shut down. And and then they said, unless you're part of the vaccine passport program, then you can operate. So yeah, they, re- they really should do some vaccine passport first or whatever it is. Yeah, and then then segregate everybody else. By the way, if you're not vaccinated, this is what your rules are, right? (laughs) Uh, It would have been a little bit more clear. I mean, so I'm still uncertain everything going on. I know tomorrow, I think tomorrow or Friday, you you can't hang out with people inside your house with certain cohorts or whatever. But then on Monday, everything goes in within the business. We'll, we'll find out. I mean, I guess we'll find out soon enough, right? So, Yeah, I think the main main thing they were getting across is if um, the business doesn't opt into the passport program and um, you're unvaccinated, then everything is kind of restricted. It goes back to kind of what we were in before where um, the businesses that don't opt in have to run at 33% capacity of their fire code. Um the unvaccinated people have to stay within their cohorts to help stop transmission. And then um, what was the other thing I was going to say? 
Like I said, it's super fresh, super new. This is just the information we have at this point in time. Um, with that being said, um, Tim was saying just before we got onto podcast here that uh, the Paradise Lanes has announced that they are opting into the Passport program, which means the Autumn Open will be going ahead with the information we have at this point in time. So meaning um, you'll have to have proof of vaccination um, in order to enter their their business for that event, as long as the Autumn Open is still going on. I don't know if that's been announced yet, um, but at this point in time, I think it's good to go ahead still. Yeah, yeah. And you also have to wear your mask down there. But I mean, mm. I mean, really, the mask policy out here, just if you're down there, just have a bunch of beers and support the center. You don't have to wear your mask. There. <laughs> sit, sit there. Just keep, sit, keep, sit, yeah, keep, keep there. checking. Yeah. Yeah, find, find your seat you want to sit at. That's your table. Then just go hard, right? So yeah. that's how I kind of look at it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So th- that is super unfortunate, obviously, for um, people that choose not to get vaccinated and all, all that uh, jazz. But we understand Paradise Lanes' side of things. They need to operate as as much capacity as possible in order to stay afloat. So, um, I, yeah, it, it's their business choice, and I, I think that's it's a smart it, move on there. Yeah, behalf. I think it's the right choice. I mean, any of these guys that have recreation facilities, I mean, let's be honest, any bar, restaurant, cafe, you know, all those types of establishments are going to have to go to this program to make it very difficult for people that aren't vaccinated to come there or go anywhere. So in order to go anywhere, you have to be vaccinated. So, uh, you know, being as absolutely strict as possible, I mean, there's a a big age demographic that are less vaccinated. So um, make it tough and and get, go get vaccinated. If you, if you want to go to places, that's the end of the day is you got to get vaccinated. So it's. They kind of put us, like they grabbed our, you know, balls and told us what we have to do, right? I mean, whether you want a, a business that's going to succeed or what business not, right? And I, like I said, like, the only problem I have, I'm not opposed to vaccine passport. Only thing I'm opposed to is, is that, again, there's no other way to police it except for ourselves, right? And um, is it fair for, you know, a couple of my 15-year-old pin chasers to be doing this when people come in? No. Um, and I think that's going to be the problem, right? Um yeah. Right. And I think that's unfair to the situation. But I mean, if it's going to make us have a normal, are we going to survive on just families only or are we going to survive on no leagues? No, we got to have to run something. So unfortunately, yeah. this is the way it's going to have to be. Right. So, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't uh, envy anybody that's in a position with a business that has to really decide if they're going to be a part of this program and remain a hundred percent capacity level or go the route of personal choice and all that stuff, but really have to restrict their capacity levels in order to meet that and then face possible repercussions. If they get more capacity than they're expecting and a bylaw comes in, like I, we don't know the rules. This isn't a political podcast for that reason, but it, it's it's scary for businesses. It's scary for the people that are um, all a part of this, right? Yeah. Yeah, and obviously other provinces are doing similar. We've had comments. BC is doing the same. Passports, Manitoba. We know people are you know all across the country going into a passport system. So it's going to be interesting how it plays out and what the establishments and businesses how how the follow is from them. And and like you said, Tim, you're that's the that thing. Who's going to be having to 
check every day. So you have a security guy at the door basically saying like it's an ID check-in. Yeah. As you come in, you know, you have a new employee, check. Sure, you're good to go. Check, you're good to go. And then how fraudulent can this whole system become? Exactly. Right? You know, yeah. uh, so and what happens to yeah. what happens to your staff? I mean, some of, I got two of my staff that are unvaccinated, right? Did it right? They're let go. Like I mean, like there's so much of this other stuff going on. Um, it's just I get it, and I'm hundred. Like I said, I'm not against it. It's just uh, I again, it falls on everybody else to to handle it, not the people that should, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's how I kind of look at it, right? But you know what? If it keeps the business afloat and in time goes on, then you know we'll figure it out, right? So. Oh, and, and you mentioned that you have a couple underagers as well, right? Yeah. And quite, quite frankly, you know, my, my son's 11, you know, thankfully I don't have to make that decision on, on him as of yet. Um, for, for me, there's just not enough data on youth and the, this vaccine and, uh, you know, with, coming, with coming these guys growing and, uh, um, even at, you know, 15, 16, whether there's still development happening with these, these kids and now you're going to force them to, to get this vaccine. I, I, Something just doesn't seem right about that to me. Um, yeah, yeah, it's the same thing. I mean, or what happens when you're vaccinated? Uh, sorry, what happens when Braxton's vaccinated and you're not? You had to wait in the car for him. Yeah, right. I mean, like that's that's another thing where you had to think about the the one thing I was really annoyed with, and I'll say this um, again. Like I said, I'm not against it. Um, U of A put, and everybody out here started putting the vaccine passports in, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to have oh, the yes. vaccine in. Yeah, the right? universities. They, yeah, they, Their tuition and everything had to be paid. Now you tell them, okay, by the way. <laughs> and then the cutoff date to drop classes was today. So you, told them you, had, you had a one-day grace period to decide <laughs> wow. whether you're going to go or not, right? Uh, there will be exceptions for that. No, they, they, they got, no, my staff. There will be. My staff got it. So, I mean. The um, University of Lethbridge just announced that they've oh, extended the, the drop. Yeah, you, U of A didn't, yeah. <laughs> well, they, they will, because yeah. like you said, that's unreasonable. That's unreasonable. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I think know. we all knew it was coming. We tried, to, oh, we we tried to avoid it as long as they could. But yeah, yeah. avoided it. And yeah. yeah. Good, good idea, Jennifer and Cal. Are, are, yeah. <laughs> Let's go on to the draw mode. Yeah, for sure, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk a bit more, I'm sure, when our guest comes on for, for what's going on down there. But Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So is there any other news here before yeah. we move on? Oh, hey, about how about those Toronto Blue Jays? <laughs> uh, good old baseball. How about that local uh, sports team? Yeah, a couple of guys are going down there tomorrow to watch the couple games. So John Stone yeah. and uh, Aaron Art are heading down there to go experience some Blue Jays action. They're pretty excited. I'm not. I'm not a huge baseball fan, but it's. Uh, I have been watching the last couple of weeks, especially. It's they're, they're such a fun team to watch, and any time that they're in like a bit of a hunt, it's uh, it is fun. So yeah. you're say, you're saying you're bandwagon, are you, Adam? No, I'm not. Just, just, just I'm like not actively. Yeah, just like chief. Yeah. Uh, tw Twenty-five years of pain <laughs> before it all happened. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I've only seen you cheer for them when they won. No big deal. But <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure you you wore a jersey before that win. So I don't want to talk about his uh, triumphant return to league bowling. Oh man, that was weird. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, d I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, I, I still have a bit of buyer's remorse, uh, as everybody <laughs> kind of knows. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I, I basically said I'd never play league again. So um, there, there's still a bit of that kind of in in my mind. But uh, I, I wanted to get sharp. I wanted to support the Wisemans more more than anything, to be honest. Um, 
and this is just kind of one of those those small things that I can do to at least kind of support the you know the the, the local um, the local game, right? So, uh, but uh, yeah, I ended up playing okay. Uh, I think I beat three of the podcast members throughout the evening. So, uh, Timmy wasn't there, or I would have taken him on as well. I'm sure. I was I was a spare I only. Know. It didn't really count. <laughs> I, I pitched a nine against you, and I was like, ah. Oh. That was well, the I, mulligan, mulligan I that I went back. <laughs> I yeah. banged out though eight, nine, ten. So, <laughs> so, so you were the high guy of the night. The whole, you know, side pot high guy of the night. Way to go, Weber! First night of league, and he's the high guy. Wins the quad pot. Back, back where he was before. But we made the we installed the Weber rule this year and have a new uh, Sunday match showdown. Uh, I should have got the video out for this, but anyway, Sunday matches. Now we've got top four guys, we did three that time, the top four guys are going to play off. So two quick games, third played second, second, and then the winner of that plays first. So with Adam being a bye, Dexter played Ron Perry and Dexter beat him. And then uh, Dexter and Adam started. Adam started with like six from the gun. It was done. <laughs> it was over. Right? <laughs> so yeah, but the, but the, the, the caveat is basically, uh, you know, the, the top uh, the quad for the night gets half the pot immediately, and then uh, basically the the side uh, the side show, I guess, uh, is basically <laughs> for the extra half. Yeah. So yeah. it was a good yeah. good idea. It was fun. Uh, I, I think uh, doing it as the, the the four players instead of the three kind yeah. of brings that extra little element, and uh, it's only an extra twenty twenty five min- minutes uh, after the fact, unless I'm in the final, then maybe thirty. But uh, it's no, it's yeah. fun. I like it. The two the two games were only twenty minutes, right? So yeah. out of four out of sixteen to eighteen to go into it, that's a good odds. You're twenty five percent odds to make a step ladder. We go get the tripod out, we get the camera out, we film it. We'll probably throw it up on YouTube somewhere. You know, we'll we'll do something with it, and we'll have a couple of our average Joes maybe be the commentators. So there, there's a couple of average Joes that are pretty pretty funny in the uh, background. You can shoot, imagine shoots and dos, shoots and dos. Oh, <laughs> nah, it was yeah. fun. Yeah, <laughs> so, it would be pretty funny to listen to them. On, yeah, we won't go live or anything. We'll edit it, but throw it up yeah. after. It's, yeah, it's fun for sure. guys, right? To get to play under the camera and do something different. It's not the same old, same old. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, with that all being said, let's uh, pay some of our bills. Um, so you can become a Patreon member at patreon.com slash 5 for as little as $2 a month and help support us goofs on this podcast and uh, bring you this media, I guess this media coverage of hopefully tournaments coming up soon. I was a little worried there when uh, the restrictions were coming out, but it sounds like we might be good to go. So um, and also our sponsor of the week is All-Star Bowling Sales once again. So we'll run their quick commercial and then we'll bring in our special guest of the week. So the list of accolades that this person has done, uh, not only in the sport, but for the sport is unreal. Um, Tim sent out kind of the stuff um, about this person. I, I couldn't believe the, <laughs> the amount of uh, stuff that goes on. It is pretty crazy. Um, but without further ado... From uh, Newfoundland. Melissa Manor. Yay. Hey, hey, Welcome. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. I'm great. Just here post, post-hurricane, fence repairs going on in the backyard. So, you know, just started vacation today. So I'm kicking off my vacation with you fine boys. So what, what more do you want? 
Oh, nice. we're so glad so, that can happen. Nice. So this three and a half hour uh, time delay between <laughs> us isn't so bad for you then? No, it, like, it worked out perfect. When Tim messaged me, I was like, I'm allowed to stay up past, past my bedtime tonight, so it's great. <laughs> it worked out good. <laughs> like, for reals, though, like there's a hurricane and damage like outside your window? I didn't know there was a hurricane going on down there. Oh, How did you miss this? <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we had a hurricane blow through Friday night. We finished our uh, MBT Survivor event about 10.30. Everybody scurried home, got home about 11 o'clock by midnight, picked up... Uh, Gus at St. John's Airport, which is just down the road from me, hit almost 150. Um, wow. A lot of people, it was minimal damage, fences down, siding. Uh, we have a big concert series that's going on here. Um, they set up a big outdoor kind of performance tent, think like a circus tent. The entire tent got absolutely demolished. Um, there was a few places, you know, trees down, that sort of thing. So fortunately, you know, nobody was hurt. That's the main thing. We squeezed the bowling tournament in in the middle of a pandemic and a hurricane. So, you know, all in all, your average, your average That's weekend awesome. planes. Yeah. <laughs> it's Newfoundland. This is just what we do. <laughs> yeah. exactly. it's fair. Wow. Could be a uh, 10 foot snow drifts or a hurricane or anything, but the NBT will roll on. I like we, will just, we will just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like by reading the bio and the work that you've done here, it's like the first 17 page document that we have awesome. <laughs> but we're gonna have like the most shout outs that we've ever had um, on a podcast because some of the comments and some of your your history is you know you've got lots of recognition to some other people so we're gonna have like a counter up on the side like shout out to so-and-so <laughs> shout out to so-and-so <laughs> yeah. um uh, yeah. we were obviously talking beforehand melissa about our covid situation and restrictions and all that stuff so just curious what's happening in uh, in newfoundland and your neck of the woods these days for for that yeah, I mean, certainly it's uh, it's statistic-wise, it's not comparable to Alberta. Uh, I think we currently have, you know, 45 or 50 active active cases. Um, probably, you know, you might get five five or six announced each day. So I think we're about 80% of the eligible population is double vaccinated. Um, they did announce a couple of weeks ago that we're bringing in. Uh, a vaccine passport system as well. I think it's going to start in the beginning of October. Um, so similar, I think, to most provinces where you'll be able to access, you know, grocery stores and, and pharmacies, you know, anyone will be able to, but, you know, restaurants, facilities, bowling alleys, uh, certainly my understanding is you would, you know, require proof of proof of vaccination. Um, we don't currently have uh, an indoor mask mandate that was taken out a few weeks ago. Um, I find most, a lot of public places you're going, uh, you'll probably see maybe half the people are still wearing masks, half aren't. Um, bow bowling the weekend, I mean, we were fortunate. Um, we know we have great relationship with all the centers here, but part of the reason we chose to go to Plaza this weekend, you know, for those who don't know, it's a 36 lane center. Um, you know, our largest event at one time, we probably had, you know, 80 people bowling. And, you know, even if you have 40 or 50 people watching, you know, you have 130 people in a 36 lane center. Um, you know, when you, you, you only have, you know, maybe five or six people in the pit, you know, if people can kind of do whatever they're comfortable with, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, it, it's only, like I said, the past month, a lot of our restrictions have, have really been lifted. Um so we kind of, you know, knock, knock wood, you know, you keep waiting to see is, is there going to be some kind of big, big spike or something happen? 
Um, but yeah, I mean, we're just starting up leagues this week. So it's, you know, it's pretty much business as usual in, in that sense so far. Hmm. So, um, has it been on a, like a steady decline, obviously for the last little bit, like you haven't had, you didn't have like the fourth wave spike yet or anything like that. No, um, we back in February this year, we had our biggest spike. We were kind of taking along with the normal bowling season in terms of league and stuff. And, um, there was an, you know, an outbreak kind of tied to some large community settings. Um, so we ended up, I, th I think at our at our peak, the most active cases we had at one time was probably like five or 600. Um, so things got shut down pretty, pretty hard then. Um, once that resolved, um, you know, we've been, we've been pretty steady, just like low numbers. I mean, maybe six or seven weeks ago, we might've had five or 10 cases. That was before they removed the masks. But I mean, they re removed the masks maybe, maybe a month ago. And like I said, we're up to about 40. So, and it's, and that's kind of spread throughout Newfoundland. Um, that's pretty low. That's pretty low numbers. Yeah. That's good so on we, you. Like, that's so it's, great. It's, it's been, um, it's been low and it's funny just talking to different people, you know, like I've said to people or talking to you guys, you know, talking to, you know, bowlers elsewhere. Um, the experience that we've had here with COVID, right. Is I imagine it's quite different than the experience that you guys have had. I mean, like I said, at most, counting all active cases our our biggest caseload was maybe like whatever four or five hundred you guys are having what like 1500 new cases in a day yeah obviously population is completely different but like sure. sometimes sometimes when i read the news i had kind of said to sheena owens i'm like you know hey the flyers are playing in calgary at the end of october things are kind of cool i might like drop out for the weekend and uh, Sheena was home for the summer, actually. She said, so I'm going to see you in October. And I was like, mm. <laughs> NHL center ice in my living room couch works just as well. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it, like you said, the, the population obviously kind of offsets a little bit of that yeah. that number discrepancy. But it's still not good. Like, we're, our, we are definitely the worst case province at this point in time. But... Uh, without to get into politics again, we did have Kenny push for the Kenny Stampede, so that might have been a, yeah. a be open for a summer, result, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a resulting yeah. factor in that. But um, I, I, w I will have to say that honestly, if you look around, people, most people who are like over it, they'll just keep doing what they want to do anyways, right? Yeah. So well, keep uh, we find wearing masks and doing all stuff. Do yeah. everything you want, but just wear a yeah. mask and get vaccinated, and you're fine. Yeah, you know what? We have sixteen hundred cases a day, and we haven't been busier. Like it just, it, yeah. people will still keep flooding in. They're not the <laughs> the one the ones that are wanting to do what they want to do are still going to do what they want to do, right? So, well, it's interesting what what also works out once the passport comes in. But yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Well, that's enough COVID talking yeah. for this. Yes. this yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, we're we're here to talk bowling, aren't we? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Go ahead, take it away, DB. Oh, where do we always on. start? Way back in the day, there, way Melissa. Back. Take us back to where it all came. All, all started for you. So, some family history. Did you just uh, take it early, like into it? Where did you start playing the game? I came out of the womb holding a ball. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, it's kind of an interesting story. So. Um, my dad is from New York and he was stationed in Newfoundland with the U S Navy. 
So he was on a naval base and my mom was working in the area and that's how they met. And, uh, you know, the base has various forms of entertainment, including a 10 pin bowling center. So they decided to give that a try. They really enjoyed it. And, you know, once they ended up moving into St. John's, uh, you know, they kind of got into five pin leagues and that themselves. So they decided, hey, let's, you know, let's put the kids in it. So my brother was in first and I think I was probably only maybe five. So probably, probably a little bit young. I think the peewee age got dialed back over the years, but back then I was considered, I was considered too young. So I used to go hang out every single week at the bowling alley. And eventually I was there so often they just said to my parents, you know, like she can go down and bowl if she wants. So I probably first bowled when I was five. Um, Loved it right away. Thought, thought it was great. All the other kids were all about the snacks. So I was about the bowling. As I'm getting older, I'm becoming more about the snacks. Um, <laughs> but uh, I made my first four steps team actually as a peewee. They uh, they bumped me up. They put they asked my parents if they were willing, you know, to put put my name on the list. And uh, ma- I made the team. And I mean, none of us. It seems funny now, but I mean, none of us had a clue what what we were getting into. And it was sort of like, ah, no, it's just a tournament and they'll just go on this day and we go to zones and we win. And then they're like, ah, this is just this, you know, this provincial thing and whatever. And next thing we know, mom and dad are looking at each other. We have our eight-year-old child that's just qualified to go to the nationals. Like, what, you know, what are we doing here? Are we sending her? They made a decision then, which probably changed uh, the course of all of our lives. They decided to send me on the plane and they both hopped on it with me. And, you know, 36 years later, they're still hopping on the plane with me. So funny enough, that first year, my first national experience was in Calgary. And uh, I was billeted with Stacy Sanderson and family. So, I mean, they were probably, um, the, you know, one of the best families you could ever hope to stay with. Uh, put my parents' mind at ease, of course, having, having a young child billeted. Uh, we had a great time. We had a great week. We won a, won a silver medal, made new friends. And, I mean, I was absolutely obsessed by that point and like i said to someone it sounds like one of these you know after the fact made up stories but like i'd go to ybc saturday afternoons and back then the the cbc series was on in the afternoon i would come home go down in the basement we had like the you know sort of that industrial carpet i had the plastic pins i had the softballs I eventually had the i used to wear the weights on my arms to like make because the softball make it heavier and I would bowl, have my own score sheet, and I would be watching the uh, watching the bowling in the background. Then I'd be, you know, made to do my homework and have supper. And then by Saturday night, of course, TSM was on, pins game. So of course, then uh, then I would uh, then I'd be watching that, and uh, yeah, hooked, absolutely hooked. Uh, you know, obviously, completely completely changed the rest of of my life. So I'm glad my parents made that decision randomly one day. Let's be honest, guys. We all had the toy set of bowling pins and yes. ball at the house that we played for hours and hours, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I, was re- I was really proud. Eventually, one day, um, I think we were down at Holly Lane's for some reason uh, practicing, and Bobby O's father, uh, Dick, he was working, and he just thought it was really sweet that I was so in love with bowling. So he gave me my own bowling ball, kind of one of those like undersized ones. I still, I still have it downstairs. So what we rigged up then was we got rid of the pins. We set up a giant cardboard box, you know, so far out where the arrows would be. And dad cut the front of the box out and lined it with pillows, made my little foul line. And I'd have to, I'd throw this ball full of pill at the box full of pillows. 
eventually I got a bit older and a bit stronger and started throwing the ball into the wall and mom made me stop. So, <laughs> and now, and now she asks, she wonders why I don't get the ball out. You know, maybe she had to let me practice more. Right. <laughs> what a shame. That's so yeah. good. We used to have a long hallway down our, our bedrooms and it was just a perfect hallway set up the pins down there and we'd be off away from the rest of the family. So we'd make as much noise as you want, go to the hallway and bowl down there. Pins, plastic pins shattering Everywhere. against the walls. My brother and I just boom, 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 boom. I'll set it up. I'll set it up. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be fair, DB, you still had pins in your early 20s and late 20s, did you not, in the condo? I remember bowling. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, we did. Remember that first condo down the hallway? Yes, we did. Yeah. <laughs> Once yes. we, put the, we put the hardwood, or the hardwood flooring was already in, but we would put the cushions up on the side and big charts. Oh, yeah. Good times, boys. Uh, I remember in our basement, uh, me and Rich, uh, obviously I was like seven years younger, so I always set the pins up. Uh, but uh, we had like that, that really like thin carpet type just garbage material down there but it was all uh basically in in like straight rows so it was almost like a bowling lane at that point um uh, my mom got severely pissed off at us when we ended up using a uh, permanent marker to actually draw out the spots um yeah um, that's the it, thing it, like it, hey, you, you set them apart two <laughs> floor apart you put you did this you did yep. this set them properly <laughs> Right. No, I remember we uh, we had a ping pong table, and uh, on the back of it, Adam, uh, I think <laughs> sorry, I didn't catch you. M missed your comment there, Melissa. You, you broke up a little bit. Yeah, no, you guys, you guys froze on me. I was gonna say, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Adam and I had the exact same carpet. Like, no <laughs> offense to my parents, but we're talking like that thin sort of you know industrial grade it had like a pattern and it was like brown and red and orange and it had the rows and like it had circles on it and i swear the circles were the size of the base of the pin like it was a hundred percent made for bowling on it was meant to be it was, was fantastic perfect. tim you and dexter didn't have the uh the pins as kids, could you just go to the bowling alley and play there, wouldn't you? <laughs> no, no, we, we, had, we had our pins. Um, but honestly, we didn't play them as much as you guys did. Yeah, it, well, it was very... You, you, you know, your childhood's left out then. It's too bad. Yeah, we, we, we did a bunch of other <laughs> yeah. stupid stuff back in the day, so... Uh, but yeah, we, yeah, we just go to the bowling alley every day. That's, that's what we did, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good book. We'll make, and then we'll move on. But we'll make a book. Your childhood set of bowling pins. Tell us the story, hey? Somebody can compile a bunch of stories. Anyway, anyways, Melissa, bowling wise, you had some success at eight years old. You got totally hooked. Um, how did those nationals go? Did you get a, get to a number of more nationals in YBC and and have some success at some of those tournaments? Yeah, so so that was 98. That was my first Nationals. Uh, went again uh, to Winnipeg in 1992. That was kind of a, a funny family experience because I was bowling that year uh, in juniors. My brother was on the senior boys team for Newfoundland. My dad was coaching uh, Bantam boys team. And my mom was once again, you know, our head cheerleader. Um, uh, 95 was probably my most memorable YBC experience. Um, we had nationals here in St. John's. Um, I was bowling, um, 
My dad was tournament director at a different center. My mother, of course, again, cheerleading, also serving on the host committee. Uh, we had two billets from Alberta and my brother had his high school grad the same weekend. Uh, so it was pretty, pretty hectic. We were fortunate to win the gold that year at home. So that was a pretty cool experience. Uh, and then my last uh, national YBC experience was, uh, was 96. Uh, we ended up in a three-way tie for gold. So that was kind of an interesting tiebreaker. Each team went down. We each had our own set of lanes and it was like, go down, everybody go down and bowl and high score wins. Uh, unfortunately we came third there, but kind of graduated from YBC with the, with the set it was pretty cool. Um, right around that time, we, St. John's hosted the, the masters and the open nationals in the same, same year, about three weeks apart. So I was completely in my glory. Um, you guys are buzzing there. Uh, completely yeah. in my glory watching the bowling and, you know, getting further hooked. Are you guys, are you guys about to implode there or? Yeah, we got an emergency alert. Emergency alert. That's amazing, right? It was an <laughs> emergency alert for new health restrictions going off. So all of our devices are just blowing up. At once. <laughs> oh my God, oh my God, what's happening? It's like, it's like change the subject, Melissa, Jesus. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, no, no, like, no, no, I mean, no, anybody, Anybody, I mean, anybody, I was saying 96, so I mean, I was I was well hooked by that point, getting late in my YBC career, kind of looking ahead to, you know, open a Masters, and uh, we hosted both, you know, like three weeks apart, so I was up, you know, hanging out, helping out, whatever, and I mean, you know, anybody, anybody who knows me, I'm sure knows of my uh, long-standing admiration from, of the Winnipeg ladies, uh, from watching them growing up, and, uh, you know, one day I'm a, I'm a plaza helping out and I'm just in like washing my hands. And all of a sudden I hear this, this voice, you know, saying, how are you doing today? And I'm washing my hands and I look up and then I have this moment of like, oh my God, Chris Monchak is speaking to me. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, mind blown. Chris Monchak is speaking to me. Uh, so that was pretty cool. So, you know, getting, uh, getting to watch kind of all these bowlers that I idolized definitely got me really, you know, looking forward to the, um, uh, to the adult ranks and uh you know first few cracks of the open didn't go so well but finally you know a few years into it qualified for my first open um ironically enough in in winnipeg um so one of the first games i bowled at at, at the open nationals ever was against the uh you know winnipeg ladies that i grew up idolizing so that was a pretty cool kind of full circle moment um cool. you know newfoundland yeah. always had pretty cool pretty good ladies teams but like just getting there myself that was like a cool experience just to even be there what's the zone provincial qualification for newfoundland again how does how does it work out of the individual bowling centers represent a, a zone right yeah yeah so um you know it's the the format is pretty similar to what it's always been which is essentially you're, you're qualifying out of a bowling center um you know previously we would have bowled by by names that my zone would have been considered the holiday lane zone a few years ago just to better align with our local sporting uh, you know governing body requirements we kind of removed that direct affiliation from the bowling center so it's just you know metro zone one zone two western zone and so on but I mean, generally speaking, um, you know, bowlers can can choose, you know, which zone they want want to bowl out of, um, and like because most of our zones are located within, you know, half hour of each other, you know, 
there, there is that choice and that kind of flexibility. So most of the zones do the same kind of qualification D- different from you guys. And it's, and it's one thing we talk about a lot. Um, we do a series of probably like five game qualifiers. So there's probably, you know, six different dates and you have to choose four and you bowl, you know, four sets of five games to get your 20 versus you guys generally do your, your weekend. So like, that's one thing we've always debated. So I'd like curious to your guys' thoughts on that. Like when we have our sets spread out so much, we get into the, versus having it all close together. We always get into the debate. Do you think that that gets you the better team? Like does bowling all in one weekend produce the truer results or sp- spreading it out produce it? I, I, I'll tell you, I, I'll give you two answers. One is I, I <laughs> one, I, I think having it, on one weekend, I think it's better just to get the amount of people and it's one weekend committed, right? And if you yeah. look at your masters and you look at your open, that's like 12 weekends, right? That's a lot of commitment yeah. to, to be having yeah. just to, for that. Right. I think that's, um, so I would say, I would say as in for your best team, I think it's irrelevant to be honest with you. Um, if you, if you, but the drops make a huge difference, right? Um, if it wasn't a drop, I, I don't think, yeah. Do you, sorry, Melissa. Do you get a drop in the open qualifying, or you just pick four that you can attend? Yeah. So we pick we pick four out of okay. the six that we can attend. That presents its own challenge, of course, because which one you know, are you picking? You know, which ones do you pick, and then you get into yes, okay, we're all bowling at holiday lanes, but you know, maybe for whatever reason, the lanes are scoring better on this day, or worse on this day, or yeah. you know, someone's. Ch- picking the ball a particular day and then they wake up that day not you know not yeah. feeling well whereas on another day they might have you know it just brings a bunch of dynamics into it yeah um so i guess i'll change my we're answer. looking I... we've been looking <laughs> i think the past few years yeah <laughs> I, I i i think honestly i think it's a for us out here we play two different most times we play back-to-back days two different centers um which i think is a huge difference for you guys, honestly, I think four different sets at the same center. I think it's just, it's whatever to me. I think I don't. I think you're still going to have the same best players make it out of there no matter what. I think for the most part, right? I think if it was two different centers, it'd be a different story. Do you think, Tim? Do you think anything? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> smiley, smiley yeah. face. Lol. Lol. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> There's too many tournaments in the year that for you to do that many weekends. Uh, it's just it's just too much. Um, you're going to get the best players if you do 10 games on Saturday, 10 games on Sunday. I mean, that's, that's what my opinion is, but it's a, that'd be, that'd be a no brainer that I would immediately be changing. Right. One weekend. weekend. We've, we've, I think part of it again, and and it's interesting because this is probably a theme that will, that will come up on a variety of topics. I think part of why we do things the way we do is numbers, right? Because like over the years, you know, you have this very small pocket of bowlers in Newfoundland and, you know, years ago looking at people and going, Hey, if you're going to bowl the open, you need to do it all in this particular week. You know, that kind of mindset wasn't there. I know within our zone for the open, we're looking at getting it down maybe to just like a couple of weekends. Cause exactly what you said, if you're bowling individual sets for that and the masters, you're looking at 12 weekends and it's all the same time of year. And I mean, with masters a couple of years ago, we switched. So now we do, three weekends similar to you guys we do like say saturday saturday night sunday morning and everybody was like wow right off the bat 
that's three weekends, not six. And if you change the open and all of a sudden people are getting back five or six weekends, right? Yeah. I don't know if you get the better team either way. I think on, if you have it all slammed into one weekend, you probably get somebody that's running hot that weekend that maybe they just had a lucky weekend. So that might be the, I guess the caveat to having it all in one weekend, but in the long run, I think if you take it over several years, you probably end up with the same players anyways. The ones that play the best are probably the ones making the team. So I don't think you're going to have a huge um, discrepancy between your teams for the best players. I think it, in the long run, it's just saving your your players some weekends, like you were saying. The one thing I yeah. truly like about having that one weekend is you know it's the same weekend every year, and you start kind of gearing up. The, the month before or the three weeks before and uh no no different than any cash tournament but you can start kind of building up towards that same weekend no no different than provincials right it's always easter over this way and um yeah it, just the, the time savings of those weekends is so huge for family I, and who who knows maybe one of those extra weekends might be something uh that you could always you know come out to wcbt or uh or one of the the club tours or something along those lines as well or run a little side cash tournament instead of the exactly another mbt event right absolutely yeah no i mean that's all that's always like i said a bit of a debate i think i think as a as a sport i think here like we're mature maturing i don't know if that's the right word because i don't i don't mean any offense to the way things have done before but like i think it's just you know a bit of a changing of the guard we have some some you know young younger ballers coming out and and just like in the rest of society like things are changing and and time time is very valuable and you know people want to be focused you know get in get out do their thing so i think it's been good because it's like just bringing some different perspectives to make us look at you know should we be making some changes and to your point maybe their changes save everybody a bit of time, allow more time with family. And it's probably not really going to change the number of bowlers you get or, you know, the quality of the bowlers. So it's probably a good move. Yeah. I, I think that's actually a really good point is it, it, it seems like it more now than lately, like in the last decade, I would say people's time is seem to become a lot more valuable. And maybe it's just our age group uh, starting young families and stuff like that that you don't have every weekend just to go bowling it. It's now you got to pick and choose. And if you can condense that event and take up less weekends, it may be you draw more attention to it too. And more players will come back. If, if you happen to see a drop in numbers, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. So did you always bowl out of the same zone then, uh, or have you moved around? Is that is that common then in Newfoundland? People would move around from different zones and form super teams or just sort of always stayed loyal to saying playing in the same place, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, growing up, I bowled my YBC at a Plaza Bowl, and that's where I started bowling uh, the Open. Um, then it just, just happened that Plaza, you know, that Plaza group wasn't going to be in the Open anymore. Um, so myself and a few of the girls, we made the move down to Holiday, which was, you know, fantastic. God love Bobby O welcomed us completely with open arms. Um, so, I mean, I moved down to Holiday, what, I think 2002. So I've been, I've been there 20 years now myself. Um, yes. People can move around and you, you do see it from time to time for, you know, different reasons. But I would say, honestly, for the, mo for the most part, 
people are, you know, very, you know, very loyal um, to the zone. They bowl, they bowl out of in the in the group with. Not to say if people move, they're not loyal. I don't, I don't mean that. I just mean in Newfoundland, there's definitely that real, that real sense of, of camaraderie, and a lot of the people, the zones they're in, they've been in a long time. Um, they probably bowl YBC there. You know, family members coach. So like. You know, people, people, it's pretty tight-knit groups. Um, you do see sometimes, you know, people looking for a bit of a change or maybe a particular zone, a team just can't seem to kind of get the job done. They sort of all kind of agree, maybe it's time to shake things up. Um, but that, I wouldn't say that happens a whole lot, no. You guys have a, Holiday has a rivalry with St. Pat's mostly, right? Don't they? Um, Plaza doesn't really, it's finally back in the fold after so many years, right? And then, Paradise is kind of new to the game, right? So, yeah, I mean, without you know, I'm sure there's people watching now chuckling oh, a bit. But, for sure, yeah, yeah. But I mean, <laughs> you know, yes, I, I, I would be lying if I said particularly, probably, you know, five, ten years ago. Yes, you know, definitely there were some robberies. Um, but I have to say, partially, you know, through you know different things that have happened here, and you know, I, I'd like to think because of the tour. Um, that's one of the things I think I enjoy the most. I, I, I really feel like, you know, some of those rivalries, which were generally just more rivalries on the lane and, you know, everyone had a good time off of it. But like before, when you walk into a bowling alley, you would see it was this group and this group and this group. And, and they, they were in groups like that. And that's, that's what you saw when you walked in. And like, that is not the case anymore. I mean, I remember Saturday night at our MBT event, we were having, you know, a, a baker event. So the place was pretty full and I was just taking a few pictures. So I kind of stood up on a chair to get like a little panoramic shot. And I just kind of had this moment of like, wow, 10 years ago, I can't imagine that we would have yeah. all done this. Like just everybody just being together and just being like, you know, we're here, you know, we, you know, we're just happy to be bowling and it's not, not even just post pandemic. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, you know, Thing, things, different things happen and, and people just realize like at the end of the day, you know, it's a sport and we love the sport and we all have that in common. And when we got to the point where it's just like, we can enjoy that part of it, it was like, it was just really nice. And I think a lot of it is born out of, you know, YBC ch childhood type things, you know, and then yeah. they just carry on. It, it It's okay to admit that we still don't like Shane Chafe though. I will, I, will, I will say that. Yeah, I mean, it's questionable. It's, it's questionable at best. So, yeah, Shane, Shane is currently mad at me. So maybe we should. Uh, yeah, let's bring should, that up. Yeah. Let's let's talk about Shane, Shane and I. So he wants to. <laughs> Shane always goes bigger and better, right? So when we yeah. were planning this MBT event, he's like, I want to have a mixed doubles event. And I said, Well, if we're going to do that, it's going to be a fourth night. And he's like, Yeah, we're going to do four nights. And I was like, Shane, every time we do four nights, we kind of say we get like pretty tired by the end of it. I was like, let's do three. But he was adamant, adamant <laughs> that we were going to do four. And I said, very good. What did I say to him? I said, if we're having mixed doubles, there's only one condition that I'm going to agree to it on. He said, I have to bowl with you. I said, yes, you do. <laughs> well, well, I mean, that's not a real, I guess that's not an endorsement of me. Anyway, he agreed to bowl with me. So that was great. So looking, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. <laughs> And uh, so we go down, and uh, the day off, we're you know just shooting the shit. And he's like, "How you feeling?" I was like, "You know, I might, I might be able to, you know, I'll throw my average, maybe you know, like that, you know, seven hundred range." I said, I'm, "I'm gonna need you to throw nine hundred, Shane." And he's like, "Nah, nah." He said, "You, you just go over your average a bit. I'll come down. I'll, I'll throw, you know, I'll throw eight fifty, meet in the middle." Anyway, um, 
I had a bit of an issue with a cut on my hand and I kept kind of telling him about this being a problem. And, you know, <laughs> that was probably the excuse in advance. So once I started bowling, I realized it was very much a, uh, a bad idea that I was bowling. Um, Shane, I will give him props. He threw an 860 triple. I don't know if I made it to 550, but the next day I was at the, uh, the doctor and I'm now on some pretty heavy medication for a very severe infection. <laughs> so I ended up having to drop out, didn't bowl the rest of the weekend. I totally killed his 860 triple. So I said that I would buy him lunch to make up for it. But then I ended up kind of, you know, doing a lot of the stats and stuff all weekend. So then I said he owed me lunch. So we've agreed now that nobody owes anybody anything. So I guess we're friends. <laughs> I guess we're friends again. <laughs> you're, you're all equal. Yeah, I don't know if the Newfoundland group knows the the joke. I'm sure they do. But Shane Chafe actually happened to be one of our very first guests. Um, we happened to lose the footage back then because everything was recorded. It wasn't live streamed. It we? got corrupt. Okay, I did. <laughs> <laughs> it, it got corrupted. And uh, we were unable to release it. We tried scheduling again with him. Work always got in the way, and he's never come back. So now it's just a running joke that we always bug Shane because he's <laughs> yeah. never been a podcast it, guest. It, it happened on January 15th, 2020. I can tell you the exact date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, like, what's so, the deal now? Are you are you guys eventually going to have him on, or is this just like a thing? You're all in no, on not having him on. He's avoiding us, so we're avoiding him now. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. He said to me, too. So yeah, yeah, it sounds it's, like we're on the same page. Yeah, it's a, it's a St. Pat's holiday thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, like, yeah. It's, yeah. it's like, it's funny, you know? It's funny because people always say, like, as running the MBT, that Shane and I are, like, a really weird pair. And if you know, and if you know us, you will definitely agree that that's true. But funny enough, we're, like, the perfect combination because, like, the things that he likes to do in his skill set and the things that I like to do in my skill set are actually really complementary. So, you know, we do, I'm sure, get on each other's nerves a little bit, but in the end, it kind of works out. But we're definitely an unlikely pairing, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you tell us more about when did the Newfoundland Bowling Tours kind of start? Where did it form from and and, and all all that you've grown to be what you are right now? Let's give that some, some due course for the NBT right now. Yeah, so like funny enough, because we were talking about the weekend back. I mean, the MBT was founded in 2017, but actually back in 2013, um, myself and Ryan Glynn, Brad's brother, we uh, he and I were really keen to have a cash tournament. So we, you know, put one off very similar to like a like a heritage format with qualifying and the pods. And we thought if we made it an interesting format, we might hook people. I believe we charged a hundred dollar entry fee back then. And we managed to get 32 people. So that was like, that was, you know, pretty good first, first crack at it. But honestly, both of us kind of had higher, higher expectations of it. So that, that kind of went by the wayside. And, uh, you know, early in 2017, it was just really random. Um, we were getting ready, you know, for nationals and stuff. And I said to Shane, I was like, yeah, I'm thinking just like putting off a cash tournament on a holiday, like on a Sunday, $50 a head, whatever. And he's like, yeah, I was kind of thinking about something too. So we sort of put our heads together, just came up with a one day Sunday morning qualifying um, Sunday afternoon playoffs. We opened up 60 spots. We were holding it at 12 lane center, uh, five on a lane. We, f we filled it in like a week and we're like, okay, that's pretty cool. So, you know, we had, yeah, we had the tournament, you know, we did the whole thing. We had the trophy, we had the payouts, um, 
you know, we work with Bradson, Mark got us, you know, we had a shirt for the champ, all that kind of jazz. And, uh, you know, we had the event and there was a bit of buzz. And then we kind of started thinking like, okay, what are we going to do with this? So we figured if we were going to do something big, you know, we were definitely going to need some help. Um, so two key things to getting us off the ground were one, we talked to Bobby O and he was, he was fully on board. You know, what, what do you need? Um, no doubt you can't have tournaments like this without some support of the proprietors in terms of, you know, cost structure and availability of lanes to give up a weekend. Um, that was the key thing. And the other big thing, and I mean, sometimes it's just a stroke of luck. Um, you know, Shane and I both knew a few people that kind of get for sponsors, but in terms of a major sponsor, I mean, there's a lot to ask. And somebody Shane knew just mentioned to him, he said, you guys should go talk to, you know, this group Body Quest. They sponsor a lot of stuff locally. Um, so, I mean, Body Quest, they do, you know, massage and Cairo and all that sort of stuff. Neither one of us was was going there or seeing anybody there. And Shane just reached out to them and asked if they wanted to sponsor us. And they're like, sure. And I mean, for, for our size, the sponsorship that they offered us up front was, was quite considerable. We had the first tournament and, you know, the guys from Body Quest dropped by and uh, they're very outgoing. So you can imagine getting them in the lanes with the bowling crowd and having a few drinks and seeing all this excitement and people fist pumping. I mean, they just loved it. And they said to us, and we're like, okay, thank you. And they're like, no, we're in. They're like, how many of these things can we do? Can we do these like every month? And we're like, no, no. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, if if not for, for Bobby O being fully supportive from day one, and if if not, I mean, yes, all of our sponsors, but I mean, what Body Quest specifically has, has done for the tour, unreal. So they came on board with us in the fall of 2017 and and they're they're still they're still with us and you know the relationship is great um we have you know a lot of other sponsors local from from our bowling community and bowling community across canada which has been great um so you know once we had them on board and we had bobby on board we we said we can kind of do bigger things right so you know i think the first you got to keep in mind like a lot of a lot of you know crowd out west all these things like baker and scotch doubles this is second hand you guys people here hadn't even heard of some of this so at our first tournament at our first tournament we did like a baker format i think we did it like trios but baker P people were just like blown away thought it was like the best thing like loved it having a few drinks um we did get some complaints that year though i had a really really bad season and and uh we had a rule for your Baker team that one bowler, I think, had to be under, you know, 220 or whatever. So I happened to fit the bill. So we were able to put in a Baker team that was myself, Megan Gallicano, and Jen Baker. So that didn't, <laughs> that didn't totally go over so well. So future, future ones, we had to tweak it a little bit. I think I don't think we won. We came third or fourth. But, yeah, I mean, it's been just kind of growing from there, and we definitely, like, looked at what you guys are doing, right? We like a lot of the formats. Um so I mean, we've done the um, we've done the, yeah. we've done the uh, you know the Baker formats, the trios, the doubles. Um, we we typically do like a double sided bracket for the playoffs, but we we probably once out of every three or four we do the Heritage uh, Pod format. So people really like that. So it's, it continues to be an education because of course each event. We're rolling it out and we're saying, okay, we're doing pods and people are like, you know, what, you know, what are pods, right? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's been great. And I, I think, like I said, there's so much we can learn from you guys and, and, you know, club tour and, you know, Al and the work he's doing out in Timmins, right? Mm -hmm. So how many events do you hold in a year? 
Like, are they set? Are they set dates at the beginning of the year, or just sort of like, ah, oh, let's just see how it's going, or do you already have a set schedule? Yeah, we pretty much have a set schedule. So we host like what we consider our regular full weekend tournaments in usually like April and September. Two years ago, we brought in a, a youth event again, kind of landing from some of the pro youth stuff that you guys do. So we've had that the past two years. We just do like a you know a Sunday type thing where. We open it up to YBC kids. We run it as a, a pins over event. Uh, we give them the, you know, the bracket playoffs, but we assign a pro coach to each lane just to, you know, help them give them tips or whatever. So that's kind of, you know, those are sort of our set tournaments. Uh, and uh, we're absolutely thrilled this year and, and going forward forever, we hope, uh, to work closely with um Bobby's family to help support them in having a Bobby O Memorial tournament and fundraiser. Um, so, I mean, last, well, earlier this year, not long after Bob passed away, I mean, we threw together a tournament and the response from the community here was unreal. Within, you know, he passed away. I'm sorry, I'll get this wrong. I want to say January 16th. So, I mean, there's the initial stuff and all that. We had the tournament on January 31st, so 15 days later. We had 36 teams. We had several thousand dollars worth of donations, and we were able as a group to come up with a $5,500 donation in his memory. And the plan is, you know, with his family's blessing, that each each January around the time of his passing, we want to have that tournament and support them in, in you know, helping, you know, just using sort of our network to help, you know, promote it for them. And I, I know the vision is to try to make it, you know, bigger and better every year. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, as much as Bobby O has his legacy as a bowler, there's a whole legacy of Bobby O the person, right? That, you know, people may or may not know, you know, with, I mean, the, the tour means so much to us all. And without him, it wouldn't be that. Bobby's the guy who a couple of years ago at the height of his illness, you know, shows up at the open banquet, walking away, walking around discreetly, passing people $20 bills to buy drinks. Bobby's the guy when we were up at masters and won the gold medal and we go up to the bar, the guy asked me, you know, are you so-and-so this guy, Bob called and put his credit card on the bar for you. Right? Like that, that's yeah. Bob, right? Yeah. And I mean, speaking of Bob, I mean, what a week to see the announcement from the C5 um, that, you know, Bob will be inducted uh, at the Nationals, you know, fingers crossed that it goes ahead here, you know, here next next year, alongside of of Terry Blake, another great, you know, Newfoundland legend and Bob and Terry, you know, competed together for many years. Um, you know, what what, a you know. What a tribute, right? What a special moment that's that's going to be. So, you know, that's definitely something we all have on the radar uh, coming up at the Open, hopefully. Yeah, it's awesome, uh, like you said, to have that announcement this week from the C5 about the inductions and all that good stuff. And then you guys creating a memorial tournament to raise funds for the family or, or whatever those funds are used for. Um, I know we have an event out here. It's not part of any associations, but when Shelby created the Darby Crest Memorial Tournament, a team event to help raise money to donate towards ALS. Like when you have people in your community that means so much to the bowling and all that stuff, it, 
not saying it's easy to create the Memorial Tournament, but people are willing to come out and drive hours to support something in of that nature, right? Yeah, it's unreal. So what what the funds uh, were raised for uh, was the local like Cancer Care Foundation. So it's you know the group that supports cancer patients and uh, they do a bunch of other fundraisers and I, I can't even recall the number, but I know just through other fundraisers through Bob and he, you know his family over the years, they, they've raised, raised a rather large sum of money uh, already and will continue to do so. But Carrie, you hit the nail on the head. Like, and it comes back to this, this rivalry bit, you know, the second, the second we announced this tournament and the names that start coming in, it was like, you know, you know, your Brad Glenn is going to bowl and you know, your who, you know, but the names coming in and, and people contacting me, like we didn't even think first about like doing spins to try to raise, you know, more money or whatever. And just people from every bowling center, like not, not just holiday, not just local people just reaching out. Like, what can I do? How can I help? Right. So obviously a very, very sad, you know, situation, but I know Bob would be really pleased and really, you know, humbled by the the support of the community. Yeah. So what weekend is in January is that? Do, do we have a free weekend there, team? Or when does when does the West come out to the NPT and play an event out there? Is that the April, <laughs> the September, or the January event? Yeah, well, let's get the, this let's get this on the agenda. And yeah. let's see let's national see tour. Oh hey, you're yeah. definitely in the running to be an event at some point here, yeah. guys, right? We got one per month. We talked about it last week in the debate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? We, we, yeah. We're we're open for business, right? I'm, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, DB. Are you gonna say you're gonna show up and not show up, like just like the book tour, <laughs> just for publicity? I, I don't. I don't know. If, is, is that your thing? I don't know. Hey man. Hey man. This isn't gonna attack me. One. Don't come after me, son. Right? But, but the September events—that's that, yeah, yeah. completely doable, right? Yeah. Um, it's like this. The season, you know, the kickoff to the season, right? The you know. I don't. I don't know. I'm not a hurricane person, though. I. I try to avoid. <laughs> you know? What well, you guys should have one on before the open. Just before the open, we can all come in early. In well, January, in January though, or yeah, or April. And, and Tim, I feel May. like you're stealing you're stealing my thunder. I and 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 Shane, I apologize if you're watching. I've been thinking to myself. I'm like, you know, we got these people coming. You know, do we do we throw together a you know a one a one day something something close to the open? So like, I'll have I'll have thirty text messages when I look at my phone after. So what day is that tournament? Uh, yeah. <laughs> We like to we like to take at least one week off before we start planning. But like, yeah, no, I mean, it's always cool if you can think like worlds collide. And I mean, some of us, some of us. Oh, you're getting the offers, DB. Uh, yeah. some of us, uh, I love it. I'm in. I mean, some of us. I mean, that's that's a good point of like why we started the tour, right? I mean, I know that a bunch of us have you know gone out west at times, but being on an island, logistics work finances um it's hard it's hard to get out and i mean the times i've gone out i've always been glad i did uh not that i doubt in myself but knowing my average i'm not expecting to go out and you know blow anybody away but just to be on the lanes i've said this to adam before you know to be on the lanes pick people's brain being in that environment is really good right so for us starting the tour here was trying to get our own little slice of that right and you know we tried to make it affordable um we try to offer different events. Um, you know, we do some things on the POA side periodically, or if we have team events, we try to put in, you know, some handicap rules, just to make sure that those with lower average who might be interested in that sort of thing have, have a chance. 
um, yeah. you know, participate. Hey, maybe one day we talked about combining the two national championships and then that frees up April, right? So April becomes a uh, big cash tournament tour. I'm just, just sort of throwing it out there in the future for anybody. You know, I, like, I like how Tim Tim throws yeah. out, oh, maybe before in May or whatever. The yeah. heritage is in the middle of May. Like everybody's <laughs> heritage, heritage is May. Newfoundland yeah. is now April. March is, we don't, well, don't have well, a but, 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 September, September seems like the biggest opportunity. September does, but it's almost early after school though like it's a september 7th 10th which is like school yeah. starts if you go to newfoundland let's be honest we're going for a week yeah like, we're a, flying it's out a, it's a vacation. on a saturday it's but a vacation so do you guys remember the days of the what was the website guys like canadian bowling or what was that that message board yeah canadianbowling.ca right and so then this all, was... sudden, all of a sudden jeff young or somebody came in and started putting facebook.com facebook.com and remember we started this community like this yeah. message board yeah. And lots of new topics talking at Facebook.com. Because I was like, who is this guy? What's going on? Who is this Facebook? Like, bugger off, man. We're just trying to have our own little conversation here. <laughs> if that was the moment that any of us bowlers decided to put a thousand dollars into into Facebook, we'd all be loaded right now. Yeah. Right? Like and we, used that to, was, yeah. we used to joke we needed to have our cash tournament the first week of August to coincide with the George Street Festival. Oh mm. yes. Right. The reason, I mean, for us, September uh, September t tends to work simply because leagues aren't started. And for us, when leagues are ongoing, I mean, Tim will hear me on this one, yeah. trying to go to a proprietor and ask for an entire entire weekend, you know, when leagues and yeah. stuff are on the go is a challenge. So we try to run it before. We look at it as a kickoff the season in September. And April, for some, it's the end of the season. Or for some, it's that kind of prep leading into nationals, right? That's kind of the way the way we look at it. Yeah. So what I was going to, yeah, I agree with you trying to find a, a time frame. September's the start of the WCBT new season. Hmm. But, I like that. Um, In Newfoundland. You're going to need to rename. You're going to need to drop the W. Though. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the only reason yeah. why I was saying May is because if we're going out for Newfoundland for an open nationals, you can piggyback that. So it works it, for one year. Yeah. This one, yeah. once out of every eight years, that'll be a great idea, Tim. Let, let's Perfect. build something. Let's build something. Let's not second second weekend at the weekend <laughs> after Labor Day weekend. Is that what? Is that how you that's, do it right now? We'll do the weekend after Labor Day, yeah. Weekend after Labor Day. What are you guys doing? Weekend after Labor Day. Labor Day. <laughs> so then, on the Friday before the Labor Day, you basically leave, or Saturday at the Labor Day weekend, you leave, and you're gone for that whole week, and you have to take four days off work. And you'll okay. come home on the Monday, five days. Okay. We're okay. gonna need some sponsors. Len Len said this saying he would love a reason to uh to yeah. come to Newfoundland every year. So I wanna know because I'm pretty sure Shane is dumping me. And like with all due respect to Tracy, because I love her, but I'm just like, <laughs> Len, Len, will you be my partner? We should <laughs> Len, we should we should bowl mixed doubles. Expos fans unite. Len and I, right? Yeah. <laughs> Hey, the best part That's about Tim's proposal is that he assumes he's going to make it there for nationals. No, like Timmy, no. it's the open, not masters. No, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, he's I'm, part I'm... of the C five. He has to be out there anyway. Oh, oh yeah. good call. Hey, that's yeah, why yeah. I'm part of WCBT, or sorry, that's why I'm part of Five Pin Universe. We're going to Newfoundland. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I, 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 yeah, yeah. I just totally saved you guys some flights there. But no, realistically, yeah. I, I, I was just looking out for them because that's more people that might want to come in a day early to run an event or something like that, right? So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. I'd have thought has crossed my mind, but then there's like the half. I have these sometimes I have these like half. Len and Seth is in. Love it, love it. Um, I have these half half sane moments where I'm going. If the open is here, I mean, 
hopefully, obviously, as anybody would hope, I, I hope that I'm bowling. If I'm not bowling, perhaps I'm helping in some regard. And then either or means I'm really busy trying to get away from work. And then, hey, why not? Let's just throw an MBT tournament on it, you know. But if we make it an easy, it would just be an easy thing, right? Like a one day, one day yeah. game, I, right to a staff ladder or something, something. That's a shame thing, right? That's not a Melissa thing. So That's right. That's a shame thing. So, <laughs> so the worst the worst of it is Shane will be like, Shane will probably have like the bracket and the rules and all that posted tomorrow morning. And he'll have like four sponsors. <laughs> and he'll be like, our latest sponsor on board. Sherwood Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Brad's and promotional. Like, we'll have all yeah. the sponsors. That's perfect, great. yeah. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you might, you might, yeah, check will be post-dated for 2025, though, so. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it. <laughs> That's, I'm, I'm the accountant. I'm the accountant, so. Big, I'll, I'll big, pitch, big picture thinking here. National yeah. tour, people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we it. just need to convince Club Tour that Thanksgiving isn't a great day for a, a tournament, and then. Yeah. And <laughs> we can become a national yeah. tour. <laughs> yeah. So September, we're looking for Newfoundland. January, we're looking for a club tour to shift around a little bit. Right. They, they did have a club tour, but it was in Elmira, I think, in January, right? And that's right. no longer a thing. Hmm. Hmm. I'll have to keep, keep thinking. We'll have to talk to Jeff England, too. Yeah. Jeff England, are you watching right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Hey, let's go back uh, back a little bit. Good chats, obviously. Love the Nofunam Boeing Tour. Melissa, great work on everything you're doing there with that that, that tour. That's wicked. We want to see it continue to grow and keep getting bigger and better. So well done. Um, back to the open days, though. I Obviously, some you know, successful provincial teams, national events. You went to 13 different nationals. Um, some of those stick out to you. Uh, um, some of those teams, were they always ladies team or, or mixed? Or what did you typically play? Um, most of them were ladies teams, couple of mixed. I mean, a few, I bowled singles once. That's my one and only singles victory and it may remain my one and only singles victory, but I can take that box at least. Um, yeah, I mean, a few stand out. I mean, like I said, you're, you know, your first one. And then, uh, you know, the first time we made the step ladder, it's an interesting journey, right? Like, and a lot of people, I don't think realize that. I mean, even dating back to the days of, you know, Cynthia Woods and Andrea Lane and, and these folks, Newfoundland has actually been knocking on the door for a very long time. Right. And, uh, you know, even my own journey, like, you know, first time I ever made it, you know, we came seventh or eighth and the same thing a few times. Eventually we made the step ladder and we were, you know, close to getting a medal, but you know, you come forth. Then we make a step ladder and, you know, we get a medal. Uh, then in 2015, we had a super strong team that we kind of really felt was, you know, the one, uh, came up short again, um, bronze, bronze again. Um, a really special one was 2013 nationals were here and I was on a mixed team and my dad coached me and we bowled out of our home center. So that was cool. But I mean, hands down, I mean, I've been fortunate enough to win three national titles, but the absolute highlight of my bowling career was when we won the Open in 2018 um, in Gatineau. I mean, first one for Newfoundland ladies, knocking on the door for so long, so many different ladies, teams. And, I mean, for me, um, that was the one growing up. I always said, YBC, we kind of won early. Uh, so that was kind of the one I had. Masters was the one I never thought I would get, so I never really thought about it. And the Open was the one I always wanted. So to kind of finally get it, and that was the only one of the three that both my parents were there in person watching. So, I mean, and I mean, you know, like I said, for, for all the years and all the heartache to, to win a gold in that situation, 
bowling with a bunch of my my best friends and uh, to win in the matter that we did with a huge 10th frame culminating in, in Baker throwing 43 uh, to win the game by five. The only time in the game we were ahead was after the last ball was thrown. I remember looking at Megan and saying, I should just retire now because nothing's going to beat this. And someone looked at me, sure it would. If it was you instead of Baker throwing the ball, that would beat it. And I'm like, uh, no, you don't know me very well. <laughs> I to do that. And like the funny thing about that was before we went down to on the lanes that game, you know, Annette Bruneau came over and she said, you know, obviously I'm impartial in this, but she said, you know, good luck to, to you and good luck to Ontario. And she said, let me ask you this. She said, if I told you right now, you were definitely going to win and you had to pick between being up 300 pins in the seventh frame or winning on the last ball, what would you pick? And I looked at her and I said, being up by 300 pins in the seventh frame. And she said, why? And I said, I've waited for this moment so long. I need to get to a point in the game when I'm like, okay, it's definitely happening. It's definitely happening. And just like have that moment to absorb it. She was fair enough. But she said, I've experienced a lot of things. And let me tell you, it's a lot more fun when you win on the last ball. And I said, okay, point taken. Right? And then an hour later, she's looking at me. She's like, now what's your answer? I was like, that was, I was like, that was pretty good, Annette. That was pretty good. Nice. Who was on that team with you? It was um, Courtney Lucas. Courtney was a rookie that year. Didn't sit out a block. I want to say she averaged 255, rookie of the year. Um, we had... Um, Erica Murphy, Erica Leg, um, Megan Gallicano, Jen Baker, uh, Megan Davis, and our coach was Don Osmond. And like, what what a week! I mean, our ladies team wins. Jen wins singles that year. Courtney's rookie of the year, and Newfoundland wins the aggregate for only the second time ever. So I was like, you know, and I mean, Jen's on All Star team. I want to say somebody else was, but I can't recall. But I mean, what a, what a week! You know, like. That's that's a lot to check off. Um, you know, I, I don't personally, I love the sport too much just to not be involved and, and kind of not have a ball in my hand. But in that moment, I could I could have just said, that's it. I'm done. Like that was it. That was that was all I've ever wanted. You know what I mean? From experience, don't tease that you're going to retire. People not, just don't ever let that go. Yeah. <laughs> won't let you retire. That's why I prefaced it with the I, I could never. I feel like if I was a little bit older, I might have. But, like, I don't know. I talked to Andrew Murphy after the guys won, the men's team won in 2013. And we had this conversation. I mean, later, Adam, you and I talked about it a lot. It's, it's I don't know if it's a burnout, but you spend so long, right, trying to get up this mountain. And then when you get up the mountain, I mean, it's everything and it's great and is is not, you know, a complaint. But I went through probably, what, 11-month period where we won the Masters in the Open, which, which was unreal. And I never probably really thought either was going to happen. And as good as it was and as happy as it made me, it was almost overwhelming to the point that it was just like burnout. Yeah, yeah. Because the things you you know you put yourself through, as we all know, with injuries and practice, and you're pushing and pushing and pushing to chase this thing, it's like, and now you have it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's yeah. like a real mind thing, and I I talk to Adam a lot ab- about it, right? Like, sort of like where do you go from here? And I mean, you guys can all speak to that. I mean, you've won won multiple multiple titles, and you know, like how do you guys stick with it? 
Uh, you, you do have that. I agree with you. I went through that before with you. Same thing. You you hit you hit your pinnacle that you always wanted, and then you're like, okay, well, what now? I mean, and there's certain people that always have those goals, and okay, I want to have two, I want to have three, I want to have four. But when you hit that moment where you always cherish for your whole life, it's it's to to me it was tough to beat, right? It's you're, you're there. Um, it was it was different, right? I think yeah. You just your goal just has to change, right? Yeah. Like your goal is the to achieve that, and then after you achieve it, now what's the goal? So, mine was always okay. You got to that point. You consider yourself at the top. Now stay at the top. Be the top, yeah. right? Let other people catch you. Um, obviously, goals gotta gotta evolve and change as as you play. But um, I think that's the beauty of the sport. Like you said your goal is to win open and it turns out you end up winning masters. Like the goals may have been different than what you actually thought they were. A masters you thought you would never achieve. That wasn't your original goal. The goal was the open, but to get a master's title is, was that maybe the bigger goal that you didn't expect and you ended up with. Right. There's, yeah. there's a lot to how to look at it. I think. Yeah. For for myself, you have to continue to find additional ways to try to push those goals. Because if you do try to keep kind of going at the same... Because <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you kind of continue going down the same path, it's going to be very unrealistic that you're going to have the same result at the end, right? Uh, the goal might be the, the same, like, a, you know, okay, you win this tournament, well, okay, next year I'm going to go win it again. Well, what are you going to do to change, to continue to push yourself, right? You've already got that. There's going to be a letdown. There, there always will be a letdown right after that victory. Um, but it's how you or how quickly you can kind of change the mindset to building for the next goal. And you likely have to change your thinking about how you're going to achieve that goal. Mm -hmm. So here, yeah. Adam, I have a question for you. Um, someone who's won a lot. <laughs> right? You and me. You won multiple autumn opens. You won multiple men's singles, right? Let's, as an example, in teams and stuff. The first one is always the best feeling, isn't it? The second one, like the ones after never feel the same, do they? Um, <laughs> no, I, I, th I think they all have their place, right? They're, they're all different feeling victories. Yeah. Like the, the, the first one for, for myself uh, in 2007 for the Open kind of was out of nowhere. Um, I, I ended up playing singles there and... Uh, yeah, that that one. I don't know how to describe it. Like, because it, at that point, you, everybody's telling you, "Okay, fine, you're 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 incredible. You're doing great." But how many people just fall off the you know face of the earth after one victory? So that next one was probably as important as the first one, right? In order to establish yourself amongst your peers or you know within the game, um, I, I think they all have their different. Um, I don't know, end results in the mind. Um, but uh, honestly, the, the the last TPC one uh, that I ended up winning there, uh, there was such a drought there that that one may have felt better than the first one. Yeah. Right? That, that's kind of um, what you were saying there. That was kind of Gino's thing all the time. Um, I'm not sure who he heard it from. There was somebody that told him before, but it's anybody can win one. 
it's when you win the second one or the third one that that really proves that you you're you're one to be messed with right or you're you're at the top of the game and stuff like that not saying that anybody wins one doesn't deserve it it's just the, the chances of you winning two and three really shows the how how deep your game is and how well you can play, right? Yeah. In the fields, yeah. Yeah. No, if you get the one, if you're working all the time and that's all you're gonna get, and a lot of people will only ever have one. So that's that's a huge yeah. accomplishment. Yeah, yeah it's another yeah, level sure. when you win two. When you win two, there's a different mindset, right? Like, wow, this is now totally legit. I'm now a two time major winner. You know, three yeah. Yeah. three time major winner, right? Oh yeah, because I, I mean, I, I was always thinking about that. Because in 2010, I won, felt like a million bucks. 2017, I was, I was open, the pinnacle. I wasn't even thinking about masters or anything. 2017, we had a great team. It was a long drought for seven years, I guess you could say. Uh, but we had a great team. We played well. We probably the best team I ever played on, gel wise, and we won. But 2019, honestly, like, and again, you're right, Carrie and Adam had solidified yourself with, with two. But when 2019 hit and you won the we won the I won the third one, it was a it was just different. It was it wasn't it wasn't the same as like it was like oh hum like it wasn't it did it just didn't have the same feeling as the other two right and and I mean I guess I guess you know it just it was just a different feeling. I always wonder what you guys are always thinking about that. So uh, just for personal, I think my experience is different. I think every time. I've been lucky enough to win something. I think it matters the most then. Like, yeah. it feels like the latest win is the most important. It doesn't matter that you won a tournament back in 2009 or whatever the fact It's I won one in 2017 or 2019 or whatever the fact is. It, I guess that it's, maybe it's coming from a place of a little bit of privilege, right? Been lucky enough to win that many times that you can say something like that the the climb to get to the top of the mountain i think was was the most the first one's always the best but i think as you win more it it becomes more appreciative as you go for me anyways yeah yeah no i it's, it's crazy yeah thanks len yeah you're probably right yeah <laughs> you're probably right you got the free yeah. drinks off of dexter <laughs> yeah. How about- yeah, go for it. Sorry, go sorry, Timmy. Kind of, kind of to your point about 2019, though. What I, I think the second one it feels almost as good as the first one. The third one, you have such lofty expectations that you're already going in assuming that that's going to be a result, right? So it's more of like a business-like approach yeah. that okay, fine. Well, you end up winning. Well, that was the goal. Mm-hmm. I know I can do it, right? Yeah. So I, I I think that's probably where the mindset was, and we, we were a phenomenal team there as well, which certainly helps. But it, you kind of get into almost like a business like mode, um, and now it's like a pile on mode, right? So the yeah. next one that you end up making too, you're going to have the same expectations, and if you end up winning, it, it it doesn't have that same feel. But wait till there's a ten year drought, and then that yeah. win is going to taste feel. really well, the, good. The dough creeps in, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Let's go to masters but it's funny a little you bit. Say for... that, Adam, like... oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Melissa. No, I was just going to say I was going to go to masters. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I, I was going to kind of come back to our masters experience. Like you know, you guys talking about a drought or whatever. I mean, when we won both the masters and the open, it was you know the first one for Newfoundland, but for Newfoundland ladies, sorry. But 
I mean, when we when we won Masters in 2017, it had been 40 years since Newfoundland even won a medal. So funny enough, the the last medal before us that had been won was Annetta Powers' rookie year. Annetta <laughs> Powers' rookie year. She was on the wow. team. 1977 won a bronze medal. Of course, all these years not winning, Annetta kept saying, you know, that she set the bar and we couldn't match it. So how, you know, how ironic Annetta's getting her 40-year Masters plaque in 2017. We end up winning the Masters, but I mean, talk about top of the mountain. I mean, I can't speak for everybody else, but for myself, I mean, the first year I bowled the Masters, we won our first game, we lost 19 games in a row, and we won our last game. So we won two games. I'm sure someone's going to correct my memory on this. We won two games and we won like 20 odd points. So think about what went on in the other 19. If we won two games, I got 20 odd points. We were on paper average wise that far behind the other teams that that year there was actually a pool. People were betting on how many points we were going to win. People, so when you're a bowler, and I mean, I respect the game, I respect myself and my team, and we certainly knew where we stacked up average-wise, but I have this moment in 2017 standing there in the 10th frame with us this close to winning the gold, and I'm flashing back to walking into someone's hotel room where they have a chart drawn up, betting on how bad we're going to be. So the emotion that I felt in that moment of winning, like I can't even really – explain Stick. explain that in words. Wow. Yeah, you know what I mean? Unreal. Right? And I mean, that year that we went to in 19, that wasn't even the worst year. There was another year we won one game. But I mean, for the group of girls we had, and it was different people every year, but you know, to keep, you know what I mean? To keep going back, keep going back, keep going back, because we didn't want the new flag contingent to fall apart. And different years, it was different divisions, really just had to step up and just you know, see who could go. And that's no disrespect to whoever was on the teams, but it was just, you know, it was what it was. And there was years you needed 32 people for a contingent, and we had 32 people, right? Mm -hmm. So to see the success, not, you know, not just my teams that I've been a part of, but I mean, you know, we've had teaching teams win gold. Elizabeth Bishop won a gold medal in single. Shane, Shane won a gold medal, right? So it's just such, again, it's such a different experience because – you know, bowling some of the bigger provinces certainly is really hard to make a team, but you got to know if you make a team, you're probably going to have a good shot at a podium, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas with us, you know, you, you don't always know that. So it's, it's you know, it's definitely that, I, I think from going from that that low of low to that high of high, <laughs> will, we, will I ever be on a team that wins the Masters again? I'm not, I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that that feeling will not be as intense as it was the, you know, the first time. Right. There's a topic for you guys. Have you noticed, I guess, in my, my experience over the last, let's go with the decade, the, the masters fields across Canada have kind of leveled out. It's not, you don't expect, you always expect your team to be at on the podium or, or win stuff like that. But across Canada, it's almost any team is literally right there. Like they're all filled with players that play on the WCBT or the club tour or the NBT now. They're all elite or very competitive competitive teams. I don't think there's teams that just are just showing up in like Melissa for matter of fact, going two and nineteen. That 
doesn't seem to happen so much anymore. Maybe that's more on the men's side from what I've noticed, but I think that's kind of common across the board, isn't it? Um, I, 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 th- <laughs> I, I, I think, I think we're better. I'm going to say think a lot, but I, I think we're better <laughs> off than normal. Um, in previous years, I do agree with you, Kerry. I think there's some provinces I can name both three of them that lack participation in tryouts. And I think, um, I don't, it's not the best. I don't, I, it's not the best team I think they could field, but it's still stronger than what they've had in the past. Right. And I, and I don't think that has anything to do with people not wanting to play. It's just the amount of money up front and maybe the travel between events. I think it's really been the, the biggest thing. So, but you're right though. You're probably not as surprised now no. as 10 years ago, you would have been more surprised. Really? They got gold, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas now it's like, no, that's actually not all that surprising. They got some good shooters and good players because they all play in a competitive league or competitive tournaments or whatever tours that they might be playing on. So, yeah, I, I think you answered your own question, Kerry. Ha- yeah, having these yeah, tours so. available to these players, and now like there is a competitive landscape around this country, um, uh, literally across the country, that maybe we haven't seen ever. Right or, or certainly in many many years, right? So the the, the competitive levels uh, of so many players um, will will just bring out the best competition at all levels. Yeah. Here's a question we were debating the other day: Is um, the best league across Canada? Like Melissa, what do you guys have for a super league? I think you just said you play Mondays or Tuesdays or what's what's the a super league in in Newfoundland? The, the best players are somewhat playing out of. Pretty much there's out of each center, there's probably a pro league and where most bowlers bowl a couple of nights a week, the, the you know, the league, the leagues are probably fairly similar. Um, we don't, you know, have a travel league. Uh, there's no draft leagues here. We've been talking about trying to trying to do that. But again, that's a mindset thing because we've never really done it. But yeah, like, I mean, Holiday has a pro league. St. Pat's has a pro league. Paradise has a pro league. Plaza has pro leagues and so on. So I don't and, think and there's really you know one league that would be kind of the the league. What's the tenth place average in these leagues? You thinking? You know what I mean? The high guy might be what two seventy five, something like that. Yeah. The tenth might be two sixty, or is the tenth like oh maybe there's going to be a significant drop at tenth place? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I'd say I mean most most of the pro leagues. I'm I'm thinking your your top ten is you know over two fifty. Um, I don't I don't know. I think Shane had a pretty pretty high average. Look at me giving all the compliments to Shane. Jesus, he's gonna buy me lunch yet. Um, that, that, that's a dream. I think yeah. I think he had two two seventy some odd average last year. A couple of the guys we have some you know we have some young guys coming up here. Big you know big shooters who who probably haven't been on the open or master scene simply because we haven't really had it for the past couple of years, but definitely some new young guns coming out of Newfoundland. Um, you know, it's, it's your usual, you know, your usual suspects. And I mean, on the women's side, I mean, we got a lot of up and comers, but I mean, Courtney Lucas is just like unreal. Just a couple of years out of YBC, YBC triple crown winner has won the open rookie of the year at the open masters silver making MBT cuts. Um, She's bowled open twice. One year we won. The next year I coached and we got bronze. Uh, she's been to two nationals and she has not sat out a block. Right? So, I mean, I think it comes back to what you guys are saying, right? This competitive landscape. I mean, 
if I, when I was 19 or 20, if we had all this stuff, right, I would have been all over it. So I think, well, you know, you guys are getting heavier tournaments with your, you know, probably 230 entries, which is what, like, you know, 150, 180 people. We might have 80 people here, but like people are just getting this competition that they were never getting before. And it has to make you better. Absolutely. I, I like I like Glenn's comment there. The more you yeah. play against the top players, the less you fear them. I think that's a pretty big comment because you get more and more used to it and kind of like comfortable in your own skin in a match play setting. Right? Experience. Everything's experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why you got to play these events to gain it. Anyways, I was going there with the league. Sorry, Carrie. Is that the league? I'd like to know across Canada who where are the super leagues. I know Regina's talked about a Super League. I know Winnipeg, obviously, there's plenty, you know, Tenemans, Jeff Young, guys out in BC. Where are the best leagues? If somebody can send a list, send an email to me. I want to build on this, right? There's something there down in the future segments that we can talk about. Tim can, you know, we talked about league scores at some point. But where, where do you think, are people listening, is the best league that you know of that you play out of or that somebody else plays out of? Tell us more. There, that's a comment there. So what is um, what is what is the league in Alberta? What is the league? If you, if you want, you know, the best competition in Alberta, what's the league? I think right now, unfortunately, um, there was a really big league at, at Bonnie Dune Wednesday nights. There was a Tuesday night league at Bonnie Dune. There was a Wednesday night league Bonnie Dune. Um, that unfortunately has gone by the wayside. The scores were just getting ridiculous, and the the format changed, and it just it, it actually stop people from having fun to be honest which is weird um but now so I, i'd probably say sherwood park sunday nights um there's a number of guys that are in the a divisions that are going to be 270s and be playing um but it's not anywhere like some of the master the no. the major leagues that edmonton has seen in the past for sure by bar none there's Ma through and through. Ma yeah major leagues in alberta have kind of gone wayside you have toppler on monday nights yeah i'll be the next close one and then maybe Depending on which which third it is in Red Deer, right, Kerry? Yeah. Um, right. It just because just the first third nobody really plays it, right? So, but maybe that maybe around the open third, I think it'd be a, it's competitive enough, right? So yeah, the the second third used to be really good at, at Heritage and Red Deer, but even that even that's gone the wayside too, right? People are opting to play in fun leagues more so now. Sure. Um and. Just to go back to the Bonnie Dune thing, um, what they did with their pinfall was obviously to create more entertainment, more excitement for their uh, their league bowlers and for the open play, right? Mm -hmm. But it really destroyed that competitive scene. It just made it to the point that everybody was throwing strikes and it, I don't know. <laughs> everybody loves throwing 300s, but it gets pretty boring when everybody's averaging 300. Yeah. I'll, I'll be. I'll, I'll put it. I'll put it this way. It's it's a it's a hard mental thing to think yeah. to think that why why what's wrong with that? But I so, get it. It'd be like, oh my god, just to know. So no, 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 just the the best analogy I would say it's like it's like Carrie and I go start seven bagger from the gun. First one of punches loses the game, and then that was it, right? And and that's how the whole league was kind of a format. And it after a while, it just became the wayside of it, right? So. Um, well, I know. Well, I, I, here, here's a prime example. Look how many perfect games, right? Yeah. The yeah. whole country there for a while was maybe six perfect games in a season. Bonnie Dune in six. one <laughs> season had six. Yeah. 
Like, Fre- Fre- Freddie, I always bitch about this, but Freddie had seven <laughs> corner pulls against String me pulls? one game. Yeah. They, uh, they were all bombs. <laughs> yeah, sure they were. They were sure all they, bombs. He, but uh, <laughs> so that's what happened with that league. It's unfortunate. In Edmonton, at one point, we had Tuesday match play at, at Bonnie Dune, which was twenty-four lanes. We had yeah. uh, Wednesdays, which was high competitive. Low man was like two twenty. Um, and I was your low bowler in that league, and that was 12 teams, sometimes 14. And then you had St. Albert that was, you know, 12 or 14 on Tuesday. Collingwood and Collingwood was around. They had a 20-person league there, 20-team league. They also had a Sunday night league. We had our Sunday night league of 16 lanes, and then KJ had a 12 match play. So you look around the whole city and the landscape, it was just packed. And now for match play, real match play, you have – something at Bonnie Dune where you yeah, take 130 averages and you have ours and you have St. Albert's on, on Tuesday and that's in the city. Yeah, that's I think Shore Park, yeah. or sorry, Bonnie Dune has a match play league again Sunday on night. Sun- but they're, they're taking 130 averages. Yeah, it's just the, yeah. yeah. The yeah. fillers, yeah. It's not It's not the same. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Anyways, well, let's, let's, we'll build on this. The leagues and the... I'm gonna, it, recognize those people that are across the country that are playing in league and that are competing in high averages and high scores. Let's, let's chat about those. So if anybody wants to submit those information, we're happy to chat about it. On the podcast. Um, yeah. Just breaking things over here. Um, Melissa, you had mentioned, you know, an up and comer in Courtney Lucas. Um, you know, thanks for sharing her, but how about some of the other ones? I know you've got some, some names here that you'd like to chat about too. Some of the future generation of, of Newfoundland. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I just jotted down a few things from the weekend. It's actually like unreal to me. I mean, it's kind of cool. We have, you know, the changing of the guard is no different than, you know, Adam with Braxton and stuff. I mean, we've got Katie Wells out there, Sean, Sean and Janet Wells' daughter. I mean, Katie's went away to Youth Challenge more times than I can even remember. Um, she bowled MBT the weekend, you know, making, making the cut. It's her first year out of YBC. Uh, her and Courtney actually had a, an awesome match the weekend. And not to play that, you know, male-female thing, but to see two young women battling it out in, in the bracket in amongst all the guys is, you know, it's just a testament, right? Uh, our Survivor event was was won by Daniel Drage. You know, he's another young fella. Jack Walsh, who's Steve, Steve and Joanne Walsh's son, he's, I'm going to say, 16, 17. He was our top qualifier. You know, beating out, beating out all the big guns. Uh, he and Joanne won the mixed doubles. He pr- he went pretty far in the playoffs. Uh, Noah Kelly, another young guy just out of YBC, he made it to the semis. Um, you know, Matt Barrett, we had him in top 24. I mean, I'd say out of our top 24, I mean, we had, I'd say, you know, six, six or seven bowlers who were, you know, in YBC or just sort of that year or so removed from YBC. So it's been a few years since we've had Open and Masters, so I'm pretty excited if we have a season this year to kind of see their emergence. And it's reminding me that uh, I'm old, which also means many of you are old, too. Yes, we, yeah. We've all been around Very. together for a long time. Well, we all need the future generation and the young players to keep bowling. And the older generation has to welcome them into the mix, right? Like, mm-hmm. be okay with the younger ones beating you and giving them the kudos and the congratulations, and then they're just going to want to keep playing, and then you get an opportunity to play with them. I, I'll never be okay with them beating me, but well, I'll give them a congrats. For sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's fair, touche. Yeah. But it's funny, and it was like you said earlier about like finding that like next 
goal or that next thing. I mean, any team you try out for, you know, you're hoping to win. But I, I feel in my, in my mind, like, you know, knowing that, you know, you're kind of more of that role player on a team and, and some of this younger generation is going to come in and, like, lead the way. It, it's – well, it's a reality that you're probably on the back end of the career. I'm also feeling kind of energized about it because – for the first time in a while here, I know I know you guys have a lot of you know younger kids, but that that interest, that spark, is there from the younger bowlers. It was we had a bit of a gap in time where I wasn't sure. I, I didn't know that I didn't know that things were in good hands. I didn't know that things were going to be in any hands. And looking around there this weekend, I'm like, yeah, we're going to be we're going to be all right. That's, cool. That's awesome. And even in the last few years, you know, the, the considerable success that Newfoundland has had. Um, obviously, the ladies winning the 2017 Open, the 2018 Masters, right? Did I get that right? Other way around. But you know what I mean? Like, there's other way around, yeah. uh, there's some other things here that you've got um, that some of the ladies, there's three ladies singles that have won gold. Well, that's three singles in the last, what, seven years coming out of Newfoundland, you know? Yeah. Some of the it's other crazy things. And again. Shout out Shane. to Shane. Shout out to Shane for his master's gold medal. <laughs> Can't forget that. But I, I keep telling him, I keep telling him. Uh, it was funny. I was funny. I was thinking I didn't uh, I didn't burn him on this one earlier, but we were chatting a bit today and it was like, yeah, you know, it was open is here this year. It's always nice. You know, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great to, to win to win one at home? You know, get a win? Wouldn't it be nice to get a win? And I'm sitting there thinking, get a win. <laughs> get a win, Shane. Get a win. <laughs> But yeah, no, all seriousness, all seriousness, I love Shane. But yeah, no, like the success. And like I said, it was a long time building, but I think like, I think I counted dating back to 2010 between masters and open men and women. I think we have like a tournament level, five or six singles, five or six team titles, uh, pin, pins over average singles, pins over average team. I can't remember what which year, but one year in there, our youth challenge team won. It, it's and 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 just other years. I mean, uh, twenty twelve. Um, you know, I think we had three. You know, just years we're not winning. We're still winning a lot of medals. So it's 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 definitely it's good to see, and it, it's just a bit crazy when you think about our numbers, right? We we were talking earlier, like we posted sort of our total to date payouts, right? And I mean, we charge a lot less entry fees than you guys do. But when I started thinking about it, you know, we pay out probably ten or twelve thousand an event on average. You know, across our different events, we might have maybe a hundred different people bowl, and the most expensive entry fee that we charge is sixty dollars. Mm-hmm. So if you start trying to scale, you know, when you scale that for numbers and costs, I'm like, based on size, like I've always kind of felt like we were, you know, s- smaller down here. But if you really scale it, like we're right there, right? Mm-hmm. It, it just shows. It just shows the strength of the the Newfoundland bowling scene, right? Um, because let's face it, our our population draw is a lot higher out in the WCBT. But the distance, the the amount of travel and stuff like that makes it a lot tougher, and the higher costs, right? We we do charge a higher entrance fee. We do. That's that's where it all comes down to because you guys are on an island and you have such a strong bowling community. At sixty dollars a pop, you're still going to get that huge draw. You're still going to get that good payout for that that little bit of a fee. It's amazing what you guys have built out there, and it it just shows the strength of what you got going on. 
yeah, it's cool. Like when we started it, we had some good, you know, as much as much as we tease and banter. I mean, I have a ton of respect for Shane, and I I, I don't know if it would have worked if it, you know, I, like I said, I think we're the perfect team. Um, but we were really aligned from day one on sort of what were our goals. Um, and as flattering as the comparisons might be, our compare our goal was never to be WCBT. Our goal was to offer something at a reasonable price that was going to give people these opportunities to compete. And mm-hmm. if it's someone's getting up in the 10th and they know they have a chance to win the singles pot for 50 bucks and, you know, 50 bucks in your pocket, hey, that's something. That, that ball is just a bit more meaningful than your Thursday night rec league. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've we found, and I mean, the event we love the most and is probably our, mo- our most popular event is our survivor event. And I, I don't know if you guys really have anything similar, but, you know, pretty yeah. much you, you, you dry your pool and you keep bowling on your lane and people keep getting knocked out until there's a survivor per lane and then all the survivors come together. And every single time we do it without fail, when you look at the final eight names, no disrespect to anybody, if you look at the 48 names that started and you look at the groups that started and you look at the eight names that are left, it is an amazing testament to what happens in in match play when it's you bowl your couple games and your score resets and you bowl bowl a game. We had had one of our YBC bowlers right to the final, final eight. Uh, we had a great young bowler, Chelsea Noftal, at a Plaza Bowl, who you know hasn't really had a chance uh, in the Open and Masters yet because of the pandemic. I think she threw two three seventies in three games. You know what I mean? Nice. And you know, looking at some other people and averages and stuff, and it's just it's cool. And when those when you see those people have those experience, right? And it's 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 confidence, right? And it's like Len said earlier. I think you know you get better by playing the best, and the more you play, pay the best play the best it has to make you better right i think mm-hmm. always i agree right so it's been it's been it's been pretty cool that you know like i said i think seeing what you guys were able to build was kind of inspiring to us and we're like if we could even on a smaller scale build that and build that interest and when when you're finishing up the tournament and people are kind of going when's the next one right it's hard not to feel energized. And for me, kind of with that burnout and then the pandemic and, and all of it, like I'm, I'm feeling kind of more amped up about, about, you know, bowling and getting back at it than I have been in a while. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that yeah. fire. Yeah. Um, Adam, you had some questions. Well, yeah, no, I, I have a couple for sure. Uh, for, first of all, Melissa, you're on vacation and you're not drinking a warm beer. This is very distressing. This is a very sensitive subject <laughs> to my heart. My very, very, very super duper strong medication ah. does not um, does not mix well with drugs. Now, I will admit, and this this is this is a little sidebar. I'm not that person who's above drinking while on medication. <laughs> this is kind of a serious thing, and I don't want to lose a finger, hence bowling career. So I'm taking it very seriously. But uh, I had a kidney infection randomly at the 2005 masters in red deer we were on the plane flying up and i was like something here is not right so i get there and i end up going to emerge some tests later i have kidney infection i go on drugs they actually suggested with the kidney infection again they want you flushing your system they're like we actually recommend you do have a couple of beer 
Well, if you want to ask, if you want to ask Tracy Smith how that night worked out, um, I was in my early stages of knowing Tracy, and we were having a deep life conversation. And the combination of medication and beer, um, there's like people refer to things, you know, like were you blackout drunk? Were you this drunk? People say were you red deer drunk? Uh, <laughs> Hogan uh, talked me into bed that night. I was coaching the next day, and apparently I was entertaining enough when I talked to Tracy that uh at heritage the next day one of the young uh employees came over with a towel draped over his arm a tray and a little note a bottle of water and a thing of advil and he's like for for you i'm like for me and i pick up the card and it says thanks for the fun and entertainment you provided us all with last night <laughs> and that was the beginning of a beautiful friendship so at the risk of coming on this podcast and creating another one of those moments I'm on the water, but very, very sad about it. But there is some beer in my future as of like 9 p.m. on Monday night. So check back. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll cheers to that with you now. <laughs> uh, now, the, the, the major thing that I've got to ask is uh, the Manor Post that, that we all you know, read every year, uh, typically after the Open, correct? Yeah. Um, what was the inspiration and what uh, what's the drive to continue to do it? The, the Manor Post, I think early on it started with, um, you know, I'd write a little blurb and people would be like, oh, you know, write more. But I think what it turned into, honestly, as, as we all see with lots of things, the, the old Facebook memory, right? It pops up and then when you, you can pop it up and... Uh, and, and read the comments, it's pretty cool. I've, I've always kind of had a way with words and I don't know, sometimes I, I always say to the crowd, I said, sometimes I probably annoy myself, but I think people are sincere when they say that they do enjoy them and get a kick, kick out of them. Mitch Davies will often comment like these, this is the longest thing I have ever read in my life. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, like I, I enjoy to just kind of get my thoughts out there and have the little memory pop up. And, uh, you know, I enjoy the different tidbits people share. When we won Masters and Open, of course, I had some epic posts and had a lot of comments. I actually, you know, went through and, and printed printed it off and the, and the comments and I kind of added it to my uh, to my scrapbook. So I think I think those will continue. Uh, as long as, you know, as long as my ego gets a couple of likes to encourage me, I suppose I will. Watch, now the next one I post, there's going to be like a boycott. No likes, no comments. <laughs> it's just going to be a dark. No comments. <laughs> I, think, I think we all have like those relationships with bowling, but in an odd way, I think the many years, particularly at Masters, of struggling as much as we did, um, let's just say we had a bit of fun at those tournaments when you're Two and twelve, or one and thirteen. After day day one or two, you you might be having a, a couple of drinks. So, I feel blessed to have established a lot of connections. And I think sometimes the post is sort of the way. Ah, Tracy Smith. Uh, I think I think you know, uh, the post. I feel sometimes is a way to you know sort of bring bring my people together. You know, it's like a, it's like a little hug. Mm. Oh, that's awesome. Do you like uh, the man post, Adam? Are we trying to get I, rid of them? I love, I love reading them. Yes, perfect. And, and quite frankly, that's I don't know, for for Mitch. Like he's not the smartest guy I've, I've ever met. So <laughs> if he can get to the end, you know, kudos. He that, that that's him showing love though. That's him showing. <laughs> I know. Yeah. He me. I know he loves me. <laughs> yeah. 
And then one, one other one that I've got is, I don't know if it, it might be, I don't know if it's controversial anymore, but um, you're a huge proponent of the rookie dance at the Open. And uh, you, you almost single-handedly with your Newfoundland team um, basically got that going year after year after year. Um, now that seems to have kind of gone to the wayside. And uh, I just want to kind of get your take on, you know, the, the, the reasoning for C5 to kind of ban it, or was that your decision or how, how did that all, all come about? And do you miss it? Um, so the rugby dance, I don't even actually know when it started. It goes well, well before my time. It's It's been on the go, I want to say, probably in some variation dating back to the 90s. Certainly uh, very, very popular. Um, I think it was a mutual decision, but it was kind of largely abolished uh, at our request. I think... I mean, we all know the the, the 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 rookie dance has its, you know, tasteless elements, for lack of a better way to put it. it. It was always tried to be kept in good fun where, you know, you know, people are not required. You know, we never said it was a requirement for people to do it or people to make contact or just go through the things. But I think as a society, we just reached a point in time in which, you know, it, it's it's not really appropriate for one and you know, just, I mean, really just to get right down to it, the associations and stuff are, you know, are you putting yourself at risk in terms of what it represents and what image Uh, it it started in a different time with probably, you know, a a different context It's like everything evolves over time. And I think we all just got to a point where we kind of agreed that it was just not something that should continue. Very fair. Yeah, it, um, as one that got to do the rookie dance and all that stuff, I, it, I think a lot of people took it as it was just good fun. It was, yeah. for back for lack of a better term, it was a little bit of hazing for yeah. the new new people and stuff like that. But yeah, like like you said, it, it ran its course. It's no longer the appropriate thing for that stuff, but now there will be new traditions started and hopefully it's something else right um in a tasteful way in a non-judgmental and a non-voluntary or voluntary or whatever it is like you can't yeah. you can't do that anymore because let, let's be fair adam's first rookie outfit nobody wants to see it <laughs> oh, that yeah. wasn't tasteful some of those all. some Thank of those God, rookie outfits, calgary french made holy <laughs> smoke you know, you know what, what, though? right when you when you look back at some of this stuff now and 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 that that's probably the, the proper word i mean you're getting into one, is it hazing and certain things, you know, are they crossing other other lines and, and causing people discomfort? I, I reached a point personally when I stepped back and looked at it, I, I became personally uncomfortable. So I knew I wasn't going to be involved with it anymore. And, you know, pretty, basically everybody kind of shared, shared yeah. that uh, same sentiment. I, I don't know if there's, I know the first year there was a few people asking about it, but when we kind of explained it, seemed fine so i don't know if anybody's you know totally heartbroken over it being gone I, you know what I, I think people were heartbroken maybe at the beginning but now it's gone i don't think they'll miss it um like i, I know a lot of our a lot of our like rookies that were in there i know a couple of them i won't say their names were very hesitant about it and so we just told them hey just you know what maybe just go back to your rooms for a little bit like yeah. it, like I did that, that. I, yeah and i well i didn't do that i got punched in the face but that's a different story <laughs> 
Mark, <laughs> Mark Miller bailed last second. Yeah, but you know, um, yeah, yeah, you know what? Talk about me. Miller got hazed at nationals by Kerry in fourteen. So, um, <laughs> hey man, if very, I have to do it, very, somebody very, else has to very, do it. <laughs> very brutally hazed. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> Uh, I uh, I did the rookie. I, I bailed out of my rookie dance, and I went back up to my room. I think that's the year I was also selling liquor out of my room. So I had a tab going, and he, somebody wanted a drink or something. So I was like, "Sure, I'll take you back to my room, and we'll go get a drink or something like that." Something was going on, anyways. I think yeah. for me, I was probably a bit naive because I kind of know how we run things in Newfoundland. And my view to, and I mean, if, when we were getting up and sort of you know teaching people, my first thing was always, "This is not mandatory. If you do not want to participate." 100% leap. If you want to participate in a modified version, absolutely. If your partner's with your buddy and, you know, me and Adam are going bopping around, have at her. Because some people did find it. It's just, you know, a bit of good fun, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. When I really came to realize that not every, like, I thought uh, uh, every province was sort of promoting the freedom to make it whatever you want. And when I kind of found out that certain people were feeling very pressured, then that was a bit of an eye opener for me, and then I was like, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with this. Yeah, I, I completely yeah. agree. Carrie, did you get that hint? <laughs> yeah, no, I, hey man, I, I was one of the guys that that asked the rookies to do it because I thought it was part of the experience and stuff yeah. like that. And yeah. there's some good comments, like the rookie games, um, kind of I think have filled the bill, right? Like yeah. to get them involved, doing something competitive sure. and. Something that isn't obviously the rookie dance. It, I think it's a good substitute. I think it it looked fun. A lot of people yeah. ha are having fun doing it. So support yeah. the rookie games more than a dance. That's yeah for sure. But mm -hmm. it brings attention. It gets them into the mood. And if they don't want to play it, that's fine. They don't have to. But it's a beer pong or whatever it is. Rookie games. I like it. It's like everything else. I think we've been saying like we just got to continue to evolve. Right. That might have been you know funny or had a place 20 or 30 years ago it, it doesn't now much like making you know people dress in whichever whichever outfits you know we need we need to just be totally respectful of that obviously yeah. and as much yeah. as i hated that french maid uniform and you know i <laughs> i got i got really drunk that day um yeah, I, I i made money on it i, I do remember <laughs> that the next morning when i found it um but uh the having my name on the list of the Calgary bowlers that were on there. Um, I, I looking back on, it, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I was part of that group. Right. And with, with the open rookie dance, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I did that. And, you know, yeah. humiliated. No, I, I don't think it was, it was quite like that, but um, yeah, no, I'll, I'll always remember those. So as long as, you know, the rookies have some sort of an event, that uh, that the rest of the province or, or the you know the veterans can kind of push uh, to to enhance that experience for the rookies because they they may they literally may never get back to that right yeah. so any additional memory that you can add to a bowling weekend is very necessary yeah you want to make it uh, something that they'll remember and they'll never regret right if it Correct. becomes regretful obviously that is the wrong course of action that's the wrong route that we want to take it's more you want to be inclusive you want everybody to have fun and uh, it, it's tough to um s certain people don't don't like to laugh at themselves and have that that looked upon them so it, it is a good um option to have them that they, if they don't want to participate they don't participate right but 
I, I never regretted any of my stuff. I, I don't think it was meant to be make fun of you. It was meant to get you involved and oh, yeah. get you be a part well, of everything. I'm mostly right? scarred for seven years now. Yeah, you know who's emotionally scarred? My parents. They, yeah, uh, that's fair. They're, they're the ones who saw me in the elevator with lipstick and a, and a dress that you can see my ass crack. So. <laughs> That, that, that's their problem. Yeah. Not hey, mine. Talking, uh, talking about parents, good segue there, Tim. Let's take some time. I know, Melissa, you talked about that your family's been this biggest support system for you, and they've been there for me for bowling, coaching, or volunteering, whatever that is. So they've got a bit of bowling career too, so let's run through your family and uh, and tell us about uh, about them and, and all the support they've given you over the years. Yeah, I mean, you know, anybody who sees me at a tournament turns around expecting for sure to see mom and dad, but they, you know, they have their own careers in their own right. Um my dad has been a coach for 35 years, a uh, long-time volunteer with Plasbowl YBC, only retired from that in the past, I want to say, five years or so. Um, you know, he continued on with it even after my brother and I graduated. Um, he's inducted, my dad's inducted into Newfoundland Hall of Fame as a builder for his coaching. Um, we joke, we joke a lot with him. Um, we like to give him as hard of a time as we give Shane. Uh, Dad is not the bowler of the family, despite his thinking that he is. He has bowled nationally, but he is the only member of the family who has not won a national medal as a bowler. He's won several as a coach. I'll give him that. He has bowled uh, teaching masters and all that jazz. Uh, The real bowling star of the family is my mom. Um, Mom is an active volunteer and coach, but has built quite a resume for herself in the teaching masters. She's bowled, I want to say she has her 15-year plaque for masters. And she has two bronze medals in teaching singles and has a little claim to fame in master's history. Uh, back in 2016, she started the teaching singles 12 and 0. Um, she stuck on the lane and really tore up her, her leg, pulled a lot of muscles. Uh, unfortunately, had to withdraw from the event. And the, the rule then, I think they might have refined it since. Uh, mom didn't participate in the last nine games but her her record still stood so they converted her to you know 12 wins i guess and nine losses and that actually held up to win a medal so she didn't bowl the last nine games and she she ended up tied for third um so so she was awarded a bronze medal there so that's pretty crazy and uh my brother bowled actively in ybc and went went to nationals won a medal um Boulder National Classified. Um, once, you know, he got a bit older, had a family and stuff with the time off and everything, he just kind of decided wasn't, you know, it wasn't really his his thing. But, you know, if we're, if we're bowling, if we're doing anything, you know, we're all there. Anytime I'm in a tournament, you can pretty much find one or both of my parents there. Um, you know, we had a cool moment in 2013. We, uh, my dad was coaching me in Provincials and we won that day for the Open, our team won. And uh, it was a great day. We won Holly Lane's swept. And uh, that night he was inducted to the Newfoundland Hall of Fame. And just to kind of share it within the family, we got my brother to do the induction speech. uh, Partially to involve him and also because the older I get, we found out I'm very actually sappy, which we didn't know. And I just bawl. Like when I was doing an Anna Powers, when I did, was doing an Anna Powers retirement speech in 2012, and I couldn't even finish the speech, like literally. And she thought I was faking and told me to stop being so traumatic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's cool. Like, I, that's one of the things about bowling, right? It's like we you know lifetime sports, but like my parents, literally, like I'm not even bowling the weekend. Injured hand. I'm literally not even bowling. 
And my parents are at the bowling alley, morning, noon, and night, you know, largely to support me in the fact that Shane and I are running this event. But just like, you know, loving it, talking to everybody, visiting with everybody. They bowled the baker. I was supposed to bowl with them. I got replaced. And apparently I have been told I'm not welcome back on the team. <laughs> they, did, they did pretty well. They brought in uh, Trina English's husband, Steve. And uh, yeah, between the three of them, they agreed. They thought that was a better partnership. So I'm now also looking for a baker team, if anybody's looking. Um, oh, 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 Lane and Tracy. Lenny? Lane, Tracy, and There you go, Tracy, you're in. Well, I got my mixed doubles. I'm going to have my baker team. This is great. This is great. Um, but yeah, no, like, I'm sure it's the same for all of you guys. Like, the family involvement just makes it that more meaningful, right? It's something we're all involved in, and we can all support each other. And, you know, we have, you know, the similar experiences and whatever. It, like, I've always thought it's just such a charge being at a national tournament. And people are like, oh, I saw you talking to that lady. I'm like, yeah, that's my mom. Like, how cool is that? Like, yeah. People play hockey and baseball. You don't see Adam run around on the soccer field with Braxton, right? Is that a fact <laughs> joke? <laughs> <laughs> just say it is. I'm just, just stating the facts, Adam. Keep you roll, rolling. Do you play soccer, Adam? Uh, not actively. <laughs> yeah. Watch now. Tomorrow, Adam's going to have his picture. I know you have your, your soccer family, your jerseys, but you're going to yes. be out tomorrow with your, with your cleats on, kicking the ball around. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. TikTok. I, see, I, see a TikTok. I see a TikTok coming on there, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, my name's not Dexter. Although he might be bigger than I am now. I was just commenting about the fact yeah. that my parents bowl and I bowl. And Adam's yeah. is really good at soccer and he, yeah. he doesn't play soccer. And now this has gone off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds about right. It's about well, that. Welcome to podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're there. <laughs> Yeah. Is there uh, anything, yeah. yeah, anything that you wanted to chat about, touch base on, Melissa? What did we miss, or what can we talk about in your in your agenda? I mean, I think I think we we talked about most things. I would be I would be absolutely remiss if I didn't just acknowledge. And I mean, I kind of have just like so many people, starting with my family, but extending across this country, who have just been such you know powerful influences, not only to me as a bowler, but like personally. Like I've said, you know, starting as an eight-year-old, Chris and Sandy and Karen. So, like, downstairs, I have a little bowling shrine, as we probably all do with medals, and I've gotten the national medals framed and such. And everything in that room has to do with, you know, me or my team or whatever, with the exception of one thing. It's a framed picture that I have down in my bowling shrine, and it's a picture of me with Karen, Chris, and Sandy. And like that, you know what I mean? Like eight year old Melissa's head would have exploded. Right. (laughs) And I mean, from them early days to still now, I mean, Tracy Smith, Tracy and Seth, me and Tracy had lots of chats during those quote hard years at masters as we like to call them. Uh, You know, Natalie Trudell. I mean, like all of you guys over the years, I mean, we've definitely Mm -hmm. had, had our times and experiences uh, and, 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 you know, the, the friendships that I've made so many friendships. I mean, you know, my best, my best friend, Megan wouldn't, you know, it's, it's just crazy what the sport brings and then the way it changes your life. And, you know, I'm doing some traveling on my vacation and who, you know, who am I going to see, you know, bowling friends, uh, you know, going on trips, playing a cornhole tournament in the backyard. And I mean, I'm sure that's true. Looking at pictures I see on Facebook, 
for most places, you know, we're having a softball tournament or whatever. Um, so I definitely wanted to acknowledge that. Um, but I did have a question. It's a proverbial debate. I'm curious as to your guys' opinion. So like stepladder game, open gold medal, one game, winner take all. Do you start your best five or do you keep strength on the bench? Is it a double knockout if you're first seed? Let's assume it's down to this is it. It's the one game and that's it. Uh, and you start your best five. Best five. Agreed. Agreed. You run your horses. Yes. Yeah. No, it's been interesting because over the years I've seen it done different ways by different teams like here locally and watching tournaments. And I've heard the justification of, you know, someone's probably going to struggle and you want to have whoever, whoever on the bench. And I'm thinking – you know what is it? You you dance with the one who brought you or whatever, right? You yeah. you have you have to start your best. To me, it's not even a question. But over the there, years, I've had a lot. There of is a there. caveat to that, though, right? So say there are true bench players that are out there, yeah. and especially that particular weekend, if they have been coming off the bench very very strong, I, I don't mind keeping them there to start that yeah. that final match either. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, as a scenario situation, I get what you're saying. Like the last three games, this guy's come off the bench and he's around five beggars. Yeah. And he's staying on the bench and he's fine with it. But yeah. no, uh, yeah, start the best five. I, I kind of look at it as like if you if you don't start the, starting the best five, will give you that 300 point lead or trying to get that 300 point lead. Doesn't right? matter at that point. Yeah. Right, but 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 it, but if you bring if you don't start your best five, you might be winning it in ten. That that's, that's sort of how I. That's Let, sort of how I look at it. Let's be fair, too. Hopefully that six player literally isn't like they're not a 210 player. They're probably just as good. Totally. They, they, can, they can come off the bench and throw just as many strikes as your best five. So uh, they should you, be, you, yeah. start, you start your best five that are playing the best on the weekend. You run it. And if you run into that situation, uh, you'll see where uh, your six player has we, the guts. That's for sure. We, we had it in, in Winnipeg when we won in 2010. Uh, uh, Bruce started on the bench in the gold, and uh, and every, everybody's freaking out in the stands. But you know what, Bruce? It's crazy. Was, but Bruce at that time was not as pinnacle, right? And but just the aura of having Bruce on the bench uh, helped us, right? But did he it, did he come in halfway? Uh, we lost, and he started the last game, and then he started six bagger. But that's a, that's beside the point. <laughs> so the, part, part who's of the your reason, coach? That was Lynn. It was Lynn. Uh-oh. Lynn, so, started, so, Lynn started his buddy on the bench. Wow. Yeah. So I will tell you that Bruce Bruce <laughs> started off on the bench, and and, and uh, Mapstone was uh, starting, and they combined that game against BC for a buck thirty-seven or something in the gold medal match. And then Bruce is like, "Well, that kind of sucked." And he's like, "So he put him in, and we all started off really well." But the sort of reason why I say you start your best five. Um, but again, on that team, anybody was could have played. But yeah. yeah. I've heard the debate and I've, I've been on teams and I won't say, you know, which ones they were, they date back a long time ago, but I, I've been on teams where maybe you, you did have that average disparity. Right. And the, and the thought was, you know, that, that person, you know, with the lowest average on the team and maybe the least experienced you're going, you know, if you start them on the bench because they're perceived as, you know, the sixth bowler, you know, what, what happens if they need to go in? Can they go in? Should, should you start them or whatever? But, like, I'm with you guys 100%. Whoever you feel at that moment your best five is, you start them. Because to me, if, you, if you're planning for someone on the bench to come in, it's like you're almost pl- planning to lose or planning to struggle, right? 
Finally, to have at least one of you guys. Okay, which one's it going to be? Is it going to be you, Adam? Is it going to be you, Tim? Or is it going to be you, Carrie? One of us is going to struggle. Whereas, yeah. no, bad attitude. All five of us are going in. We're all going to we're all going to light it up, and it's going to yeah. be done deal before we even know it. Or people perceive that that bench player, you know, needs needs to be able to go in anywhere. So what if that bench player like just does not have the ability or desire, say, to go in on the bottom? Then you're going well. My anchor bowler is staying in the game regardless. But you know, I would argue. Whoever your anchor bowler is is probably one of your top bowlers that's on your team, and if they're coming out of the game, you're probably in a whole lot of trouble anyway. That's right. Yeah. If it's right. like you said, though, Melissa was, it's one game. It's for all the marbles. It's everything's on the line. Yeah. You want the five to go, and you're not making a sub. This is this is how it's going, guys. The five best players, and you're going to play the game, right? Yeah. And unless you're into the third or fourth frame, are you making a pull in the third? No, yeah. you're making a pull in the seventh or eighth or ninth, and then by that time, mm-hmm. don't even bother pulling. Seven yeah. to five. Too, yeah. too late at seven, but yeah, yeah after, but after you, three, three or four frames, you, you know where this game is going, I think. Right, but you'd hope, though, you put your best five in, you're not looking to pull somebody after three. No, right? no. You're, Unless you're, you're comfortable in six. So you're getting, there's a lot you're of dynamic getting, coming. Yeah. No, you're getting that guy in an eight just to make sure that he played that gold medal match that you're about to win. That's what yeah. you want to do. Yeah. That's, what, yeah. that's your sub you want to make, for sure. We, we did that in, in 2019 with Michael. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But he he was throwing bombs off the bench when we needed him, right? So yeah. it, it made that that was like a, a double make sense, right? We we ran our probably top five at that moment, and we had lots of confidence with our bench player. It's great. Yeah, yeah it helped. Good, it helped if you started Ed Baker and, and Bradley started with seven, but yeah, it might have. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but good question there, Melissa. Yeah, very good. Very yeah, good. That's really good. So yeah, no, now that's the, that's always a hot debate here. Now, the, the, the only last thing I kind of wanted to, to bring up, because I, I think we'd be remiss as well, uh, we we've, did mention, uh, you know, Bobby O and you know, Terry Blake, which, uh, honestly, sorry, I, I didn't see that in the, the Canadian Five Pin post. Sorry, yeah, no, Terry a- Terry was, uh, in like, he was announced last year to be inducted in Newfoundland, but because it's cancelled, they're both. Uh, oh, okay, that that makes perfect sense, okay. And but then, I'm going uh, to now, shout out to Tom Stevenson yes. and Dave Post. Exactly. I had I bet anyone else missed it, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, another true, truly great honor, and you know, love, love the fact that C five is still pushing. You know, the, these stars for their Hall of Fame. So um, here, here's hoping that we can all make it there, there this year, so we can all have a, a nice party, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Tim is basically committed to running an MBT tournament, so I mean, yeah. uh, <laughs> he's there. No. No, re- we'll no. be, we'll be, we'll be definitely in touch. And I mean, we're getting all we got. Like I said, we got all of our sponsors on board, so this is shaping up. This is shaping up quite nicely, actually. That's <laughs> open, right? Open nationals are there. Open What's that? Nationals. Yeah, open yeah. nationals are there. So that's May, end of May. Do we have dates for that right now? I'm uh, sure, sure we do. It's a Saturday. It's like June first to fourth or something. It was always the first Saturday in June in Lens. We 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 arrive in. No, no, we we. No, that's, that's the Saturday. Saturday. Okay, gotcha. So it'd be in a, a May thirtieth or something like that. So yeah, right. So do you, do you go early for the vacation or do you go after for the vacation? 
You you want to go early because after the nationals you're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unless you want to go sit on remote Airbnb on an island somewhere and just veg out for a couple of days. Hey, George, George Street's pretty boring on a Monday or Tuesday. It yeah, is, yeah. You're not looking to do that. Just looking to go sightsee. Uh, you know, yeah. there's <laughs> Green Gables or whatever these things are down. No, no, that's PEI. Oh, sorry, buddy. <laughs> but, uh, you got to get the McLobster. That's the last time I had a McLobster. It was in Newfoundland. Yeah, oh, McLobster. Wow. Is, yeah. is that even a thing anymore? Um, I don't know. My, well, we uh, could, Tim. We could totally make this an annual thing because we just shift the date slightly. Because then I don't know the schedule, but like, do we have Masters the following year? Is that do, a thing? Yeah. yeah. So, like, I mean, if you know, <laughs> we're looking good for two years at least. Yeah. Yeah. Back and back. I mean, I got, I got my partners lined up for the different events. So, you know, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready. JB is just happy. You guys mentioned yeah. PEI. Yeah. <laughs> hey, buddy. Yeah. JB, you know, you know how sensitive we all, we all are about, you know, our locals. JB, JB is like an adopted Newfoundlander. He is our, I was going to say, no, I have to make a correction, JB. I'm sorry. You're about to be trumped. JB had the distinction of being our only out-of-province MBT bowler and the person who had traveled furthest. So he's now been beaten on a technicality because this weekend we were graced by the presidents of one Sheena Owens. Sheena Owens. President, yeah. Current resident of Alberta. So, I mean, technically. <laughs> well, yeah. man, what a, what a blast from the past that was having Sheena, Sheena back at the lanes. And uh, dare I say she even seemed to be enjoying herself. And apparently there's talk of, like, league. And I don't wow. know. Yeah. There's something the pandemic has put, you know. <laughs> so they reunited their 1994 Bantam Girls uh, national championship team for the Baker event. That was a cool picture. picture. That was pretty cool. Yeah. No, no, no sweat, Sheena. I always got your back. <laughs> but again, even you know, like you know, all jokes aside, right? Great, great friendships born in. Uh, born in bowling. I mean, Sheena and I always knew each other, but we're a bit apart in age, so we never really bowled much. Uh, but long story made short, there came a banquet in which there was someone at the banquet I wasn't too happy with, and I needed a bit of backup support. And well, as tough as I am, I'm not, you know, not the most intimidating presence. And Sheena brings that certain attitude with her. We weren't even really friends at the time. And she's like, you need this situation taken care of? I'm on it. Next thing I knew, there was half, a, half of a racket on the go, half of a fight breaking out. Great friends from then on. <laughs> we, all need, we all need a Sheena in our life, right? Yeah. I don't know yeah, how many beers I want to offer. It was uh, fun at Nationals. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, if anybody doesn't have anything else, we have reached our uh, allotment for this podcast. We've even gone over time, but I'm sure we could spend hours still talking. Melissa, you're, you've been a great guest. Um, we'll probably do a round of the guests that we wish we would have spoke more time to. So uh, maybe we'll include you in podcast 200. You never Absolutely. know. <laughs> Absolutely. It was great to be happy. <laughs> All right. Um, so if you, uh, if nothing else, thanks again. And we'll let you go so you can get to bed. I do believe you're three and a half hours ahead <laughs> in the future. So. Well. Yes, it is soon going to be like Friday or Thursday or Sunday. <laughs> One day closer to beer, Adam. And I will tag you in my first vacation beer when I have it. Deal. Monday is yeah. coming up. Enjoy yeah. your vacation. Thanks, guys. Back right, to the thanks, thanks, Melissa. Thank you, Melissa. Have okay. good night. Awesome. What nice a great work. ambassador. It's She's done been around so much. Forever. 
Yeah, so much too, and so many great friendships across the country. You know, you always hear the tournaments or the Masters or the Open Nationals, and it's just so friendly with everybody, right? It has some, some really, really good deep relationships with people, so it's it's good to see. And it's put a ton of time and effort into the into the bowling world in, in Newfoundland, which greatly needed. So it's awesome to see. Yeah, and seeing the NBT and how well it's done and grown with her and Shane behind the reins there, like, um, as somebody that is a part of one of those type of associations running tour events and stuff like that, it, it's awesome just to see on social media that there's a there's a tour event going on. So you share it, you watch part of it and stuff like that, even though they are so far ahead in the future, it's, uh, it's tough to catch some of their stuff when they're going on in the middle of the day, but pretty cool. Yeah, it's definitely great having Melissa on. I mean, she does a lot out there. Um, yeah, it's it was she's always been one of our top of her list, so it worked out perfectly with her vacation. So <laughs> it was great having her on as being the second Newfoundlander to come on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, every time she she tells yeah. her stories, I, I can't imagine having that type of a of a memory. Like Tim, you've got a very similar one where yeah. you can just remember everything. Um, she, she's going to be, you know, a, a, basically a, a borderline bowling historian uh, for us uh, for, for many, many years as well, on top of everything else she's doing for the sport right now. So it was a wonderful conversation with her. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, shall we do our all-star draw? Let's do it. Yeah, 15 entries. Thanks again to Shelby Crest and All-Star Bowling Sales for uh, sponsoring us for another week and giving away, uh, I believe it's a gift card they give away. I try not to delve into their uh, their giveaway too much. Good luck, everyone. Colin. Oh, no. <laughs> I almost, I looked at his name on the right, but I didn't. I was like, no. One of our strongest supporters, Mr. Len Anza. Uh, yeah. there's, there's no left-handed bowling balls he sells, so. so. <laughs> Congrats, Lenny. Good job, buddy. Awesome. We'll get, uh, we'll get Shelby to reach out to you and get that all sorted out for you. Um, so, yeah, I guess what's coming up? Oh, um, I want to pitch the idea, obviously. Um, we got the go-ahead from the Autumn Open that um, they're willing to do the press conference idea and stuff like that. So I'm thinking the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, we instead of a podcast, we do a one-hour press conference. We uh, bring in the tournament coordinator. We'll bring in a WCBT board member and do like 15-minute segments, and then we'll bring in in 15-minute increments um, some of the players that will be competing at the Autumn Open this year. Yeah, competing, As, past champions, some of that sort of. Yeah, I love yeah. the idea, Kerry. Good job. So, like the two days before, right? Yeah, it'd be the Wednesday because the trio starts on Thursday. Sure, I like it. So, yeah, good idea. Cool, cool, cool. How uh, how how are you guys' uh, eight gamer going for uh, playoffs? <sighs> it's going good. It's going good. There's some videos coming out soon. Um, Beautiful. We. We're almost done all the preliminary matches. We've done some round of 16 matches, so we are getting to the nitty-gritty. Um, obviously, we haven't posted any winners or anything like that besides in the in the group of the 8Gamer. But uh, yeah, there will be some episodes coming out here shortly, and hopefully people enjoy them. There's some really good matches out there, so it'll be pretty cool to yeah. see everybody's reaction to them. I, I got to live them all. 
Mitch is so Pro- excited about playing. Yeah. <laughs> Pro Team League starts uh, October 3rd, too. October 3rd, yep. The games, first- games start playing. We may not release the videos that day, but the games start yeah. playing that day. I think the first week we will we'll just record, but I think if everything goes smoothly and there isn't too much work on the post-production side, we may live stream the rest of them. And they'll be starting um, not right after Thanksgiving, but the weekend after because uh, yeah. Masters in Alberta happens to be the week after the autumn of, open, So, Of course, we'll promote the heck out of that with all kinds of posts and shares and likes and all these things yeah. and videos and everything. So Sunday mornings will be what we're looking at is doing bringing yes. back Sunday morning bowling. Yep, exactly. So it'll, it'll start at 9 a.m., um, Alberta time and it'll be over at noon. It'll be three matches, three or more teams will be competing in those three matches. It depends on the week. Um, but yeah, things are looking really good. Um, obviously with some restriction stuff coming in Alberta, there'll probably be some team roster changes, but, um, it's all looking good and can't wait. Get up. Let's do it. Keep up the good work. All righty. Thanks, everyone. Thanks to all our patrons, and uh, we'll see you guys probably next week. See you later. Sounds good. Take care, guys.